Okay, welcome to our little experiment with Amber, the diceless role-playing game. So, in a way, this session came about because of two related meetup events. The first was our GM 601 seminar, a panel discussion about role-playing games other than Dungeons and Dragons. In that seminar, the topic of diceless games came up, and Amber is definitely one of those. The second was our book club. We had some issues with the choice of book that had us reconsidering our selection for the month, and in part because I wanted to GM an Amber game, I suggested the book upon which the game is based, Roger Zelazny's Nine Princes in Amber. Now, we're not going to bore you with game content and mechanics, and we're also taking out the character creation process, not because it's boring, in fact, it's my favorite uh, character creation process of all time, but because it would be a spoiler for anyone wishing to give Amber Diceless a try. Probably the only thing you should know is the setting. In a nutshell, there's Amber, the one true reality, and then there is Shadow. Everything else, including Earth, are mere reflections of infinite possibilities, probabilities, and potential realities, but ultimately are not real. Only those born of the royal blood of Amber have the ability to walk the pattern, a metaphysical power that allows those empowered to manipulate shadow, to seek out expressions and reflections of their desires. And with that out of the way, let's begin our podcast for Amber. A family affair. Let us get started, <laughs> Alain, because you, your name is French, and of course we are in Chamonix Mont Blanc in La Belle Provence de France, then I'm going to start with you. And so you have the um, basically the luxury of telling us how you are getting to your aunt's place. And maybe while you do that and describe that uh, decision, also tell us a little bit about your character, what you look like, what your colors are. Um, Alain, um, so first of all, I am, uh, going to my aunt's place in a hot air balloon. <laughs> and I am wearing, um, a three piece, three piece suit. Nice. Uh, with a long coat. Uh huh. Um, my colors are dark blue and white. Blue and, and I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing my three piece suit. Uh, the coat is a long coat. Yeah. And, um, I also have a, a walking cane. Um, okay. I look to be in my mid thirties. Okay. Uh, I am a, a tall, lean man. Uh huh. Um, with, uh, kind of a long, um, well, let's see. I think it's a, a Van Dyke, Van Dyke, um, a beard. Beard. Mustache. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's great. And, um, out of curiosity, <clears throat> curiosity, uh, your hot air balloon, is it also flying your colors? Dark blue and white? Yes. Okay. All right. So you sail gracefully over the French Alps, and you can see a lot of kids and, and citizens kind of like, Oh, maman, regardez le ballon, il est si beau. And just kind of flying above, um, you know, you are uh, flying over the countryside. So, Alain, you're a hot air balloon. Um, I'm going to go to Cassandra. Okay. So Cassandra's a 
living in New York City. New York City. Yeah. So she's going to take her private jet. Private jet. <laughs> from New York to Paris. Okay. And then she's going to take a helicopter. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Helicopter definitely landing yeah. in Skyle. Okay. That's right. And then uh, can you maybe describe your character, hair, color, colors, okay, that so sort of Cassandra thing? Cassandra has uh, red hair. Ooh, red. Yeah. Uh, probably more auburn, so a darker red. Yep. And then um, she's she's fairly short, so she's probably like five foot two. Kind of petite. Yeah, uh-huh. petite, very petite. <clears throat> and um, she, her hair is very long. She's got, but she usually has it like in a bun. In a bun. Yeah. Today of yeah. all days, do you have it in a bun? No, I would probably have it down. It's kind of. Or down. it would be no, it would be in some kind of updo. Updo yeah. type of thing. Okay, so fairly fa- sophisticated. Yes. And she's wearing an evening gown Ooh. that is royal blue and silver. Royal blue and silver. Yes. Very nice. Okay. <clears throat> um, and uh, do you know how to fly the helicopter and do you want to? No, I would have somebody. Oh, that. okay. Yeah. Servant kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, oui, madame, absolument. Yeah. Okay. Uh, venez, venez yeah. en dedans. We will take you. No problem. And then, you know, the helicopter blades go. And then you start taking off and then that beautiful kind of sight. In the distance, you see a hot air balloon that is kind of floating by ever so slowly. You recognize your cousin's colors, blue and white. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, you, you don't think that he would be able to no. see you, but you're pretty sure that you're going to arrive before him unless you want to arrive after. I would like to arrive after. After. Okay, yes. so you're going to spend quite a bit of fuel in this uh, yes. helicopter. All right. Money so is not an issue. Money is not an issue. Okay, wonderful. Um, out of curiosity, I'm sure that the plane, especially with your higher warfare, um, uh, you know, you could buzz the hot air balloons. Is that something you might well, want? I'm in a helicopter. Hel- helicopter, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like buzz it. In- yeah, you know, fly nearby. To oh, kind yeah, of- sure. I'd All right. It. Okay, well, so definitely. I'd fly around it. Right. Uh, all right. So we'll talk about that one. Tycho, how do you get to your ants? Oh, no, he's not there. Uh, let's go with Astrid then. Which season is it? Uh, let's say it's early summer, June-ish. Convertible. Uh, sports car convertible. Then. Very nice. Uh, will that be a Citroën, madame, or uh, a BMW? We have also Alfa Romeo. Uh, Ferrari. Ferrari. Italian, of course. And he nods and he gives you a big grin of approval. Absolutely. And uh, yes, do not worry, madame. Uh, it will be all topped up. No worry about your insurance. And yes, uh, please on your way. And uh, can you describe the color of the Ferrari, your colors and what you look like? Sure. Um, so my colors are um, like sparkly uh blue and okay. silver but like what a glitter okay and so the convertible is like uh sparkly uh glittery blue uh astrid is average height and average build um hair color she's got like graying blonde hair oh okay would it be about 40 uh-huh um she looks like she looks strong and she looks stern and she's got piercing uh, ice blue eyes. Oh, lovely. Oh, like uh, kind of mean looking. Kind of mean yeah. looking, eh? Okay. I Cassandra would have green eyes. Green eyes. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, that makes sense. All right. And so, you know, Astrid, you kind of zoom up the freeway. Um, and I mean, you very skillfully kind of weave in and out of traffic. I'm, I'm curious, um, do you speed at all? Always. Okay. And like, I mean, you're just totally, you know, zooming in and out. Um, you know, you, you pass a couple, you know, there's like a, like a, a milk merchant, uh, kind of a cheese there. There's like a huge, uh, transport. And, you know, with the ease of skill, almost, you know, sweeping around the edges of it and almost going, you know, parallel to the other side. You're just kind of sweeping in and it's a lot of fun. Um, your windows open, convertible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. The, 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 yeah. The top, the, is, top is down. The, the, the full scene, and it, it is glorious, right? If you could kind of film it and make a commercial out of it, it would be amazing. Okay. So and I have my uh, hair tied back and big sunglasses, like you imagine someone in the sixties would be wearing. Nice. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. So Tycho is still not around. So let's go to Sorrel, Leah. Yes. How are you getting to your aunt's place? Believe I. I got as close as I can, and then I decided to ride my horse up. Ooh! I love that. Okay. And yeah, and in fact, um, you know, you, you know that your aunt is actually quite partial to horses. And so uh, your choice of, of horse is, is quite apt. Um, what's the color and the breed of your horse, if you know that sort of thing? The horse is a Palomino, because Palomino. It's very gold, which is one of my colors. Yeah, nice. being green. Gold and green. What's the color of your hair and your eyes, if you don't mind me asking? Also gold and green. I'm very, very blonde. Okay. Green eyes, and I'm tall for a woman. Nice. Okay. Um, Sorrel, do you does your character enjoy swimming and aquatic sports? Yes, I do. You do. Yeah. Also Perfect. fence. Yeah, okay, excellent. Okay, and then last of all, Tycho. So you just had a description of your sister, um, and she is choosing to ride up to the summer home on a golden Palomino horse, uh, hair kind of flowing in the wind, dressed in her golden green colors, and she rides up in style and uh, with grace into the mountains of Chamonix. And uh, you are last amongst your cousins and siblings to kind of go up. So how do you approach your aunt's place? I think I'm late. Okay. How <laughs> late? And, uh, everyone's like, uh, you know, wondering, hey, what happened to Taiko? And eventually, like, someone notices that there's kind of like, like a shooting star. <laughs> and um, as it resolves, they're like, oh, wait a second, that's... That's like one of those, um, you know, the little like um, the shuttles, <laughs> the things that come back from the shuttle with the with the um, parachute on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're you're going with a spaceship, basically, is what you're saying. Okay. And yep. I didn't think that anything could be better than a hot air balloon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so this is perfect. Okay. He didn't describe... Oh, sorry, like. please. Uh, you know, I, w I was so blown away by the spaceship concept <laughs> that uh, I forgot about it. What about your colors? And, and sorry, sorry. Uh, I mean, like, is this like a, a SpaceX type of thing? Are you like best buds with the Elon Musk? Or like, you know, how are you actually... He finances Elon Musk. Are you, are you, a, <laughs> you like finance the spaceship? This is your own kind of personal endeavor type of thing? Yeah, I think I think it definitely um, 
in an astronaut in my spare time. Okay. But, uh, um, yeah, I wasn't sure if that, that I was going to be for the, the actual government or for, yeah, I guess I could, I, it could, it could be self, self, um, self financed. Okay. That's cool. All right. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, since, you know, this is basically a self-finance kind of ship type of thing, you know, you have the opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, put on it your personal colors and, you know, your own uh, style. So maybe help us understand. Thing. Um, the colors I'm going to pick are actually also the same colors that Sorrel has. Oh. So- Cool. Well, so I guess here is a question. I have no judgment. Here's a question for you. Sorrel has clearly picked gold and green, gold being the yeah. color of her hair and green being the color of her clothing. Do you yeah. also wish to be, be the same or would you reverse it? So maybe your hair is green as an example. Yeah. So, um, are you gold and green, or are you green and gold? Um. Well, sure, sure, yeah. That, which that, one? You are green and gold. Yeah, I got. I've got gold eyes. I guess. Um, <laughs> and green hair. Noticed that before. And, and your hair, your hair is green. So is this like a bright green dyed kind of bad boy kind of thing? Um. Help. Yeah. No, you, that nobody's ever seen me with. Any other color for the for okay, hair. all right. So it's kind of a um, stun- yeah, and maybe uh, especially since you're so outlandish, maybe give us a sense of your uh, hairstyle. If you have facial hair, what about your outfit? That type of thing. I think maybe locks. So curly. Yes. Wow. Okay. So there's like full um, anime. <laughs> tall. Uh huh. Um, I guess well built. Uh, like, um, like a chiseled physique. Chiseled physique. Well, you know, everyone has a chiseled physique, but I guess yours particularly for. Okay, yeah, so more, that more chiseled than others. Okay, that's great. Okay, so Astrid. Um, you are zipping along uh, 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 on the Ferrari, and uh, you know you're taking one of the turns, and uh, you know there, there is uh, sort of one of those uh, tunnels that, that kind of is approaching as you zip around, and you know you know especially as you you know turn, if you accelerate into the turn, it allows you to kind of adhere even more closely to the road, and so you kind of got and you just kind of go in, and automatically you know from the uh, cockpit, if you will, of your uh, blue and flashy silver or car, you know, the lights kind of automatically flash on as you enter into the tunnel. You can see the multiple lights of, of opposing cars kind of coming in. You can see the swerving um, patterns of the red of a car kind of, you know, slowing and breaking in front of you. And it almost kind of creates this weird, almost kind of hypnotic pattern. And for a second flash, you get this strange sense in a reversal, almost like you're in like a photo negative. And it happens like it's, you know, at a break neck ridiculous speed now your your you know your uh, abilities and your 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 skills are such that i mean you don't even flinch and then whack, flash 
flash like another three times where the world kind of switches back and forth from a positive kind of picture to a negative picture and it's almost like you go several times you can kind of see and almost like your vision turns into this slow motion movie and you can see a person looking at you coming from the other end and it's almost like this slow motion focus and you can kind of see their heads kind of turn towards you and their their heads are kind of cocked at an almost unnatural angle and you see your own reflection in their uh, mirrored sunglasses as you flash by one, two, three cars and you come out of the tunnel on the other end and then things are completely normal and then you continue progressing up to your aunt's place. Um, Sorrel, you're picking... Are you taking a scenic route or are you trying to get there as quickly as possible? I'm taking a scenic route Ivan style. I okay. don't want to be worn out and so um, you take yourself and you know you've been up these roads many times and I mean you, your your horse even um, is is well traveled and understand these paths intuitively and you sort of take a small uh, detour uh, just to kind of get out of the sun uh, you know as it kind of picks because there's a nice easing path that kind of winds its way through the forest you can see the tall majestic pines the fresh air blowing past your gold and green. Um, but then, you know, as you kind of, you know, step in further, your horse starts to whinny and you can feel all along its body that it is getting tense somehow. And normally you can kind of feel the power of the animal that you control easily within, you know, your thighs, but you can feel its body and its sense of self. It is reacting to something and you're not really quite sure. What do you do? I... I can calm my horse down and look around to try and see if I can see what's spooking it. As you do this, your horse does gain a little bit of control. Even as you put your hand out, um, you just have that reassuring presence against it. It snorts. It kind of um, paws in, in a couple of times. And you notice, actually, there is a sort of weird pattern of flowers. And these are not anything that you've seen before. So they're actually a vivid kind of purple, almost shifting into blue. And they almost form like a little bit of a trail that um, enters deeper into the woods into a shadowed area. What do you do? I'm curious. I'm going to get off my horse and lead it. Follow the path. Okay. As you do so, um, you actually go into that, you know, path for a second. And all of a sudden, as soon as you enter, it's almost as if that area that you enter in is more shaded. And all of a sudden, like the entire area that you're in seems colder and cooler in, not in a threatening way or, or in, in a, you know, like a hyper change in environment, but in something where you've entered an area where the wind is a little bit uh, you know, cooler and the air less dense. And it's almost like you kind of step into that. And for a second, your foot hits the ground and basically sprouting all around your feet area are more of these kind of little grasslets, which kind of open into these small uh, flowers, which almost seem to grow as you step on them. Your horse kind of whinnies and all of a sudden, you know, it threatens to bolt. You can feel it tugging against the reins and just kind of pulling up. What do you do? 
I let the reins of my horse go and I walk forward more. Okay, do you let your horse go entirely? Or are you just loosening your grip on the reins? Loosening my grip on the reins. Okay. So as you do, as you do that and you walk forward a little bit, all of a sudden, and it's as if, you know, sometimes when you're looking at, you're walking in the forest and you see like a beam of sunlight kind of, you know, pass through, that beam of golden light kind of intersects with this area and where it touches down on the area right in front of you as you walk into it, all of a sudden you get that immediate shift of that kind of temperature change again. And then you're back in the forest on the trail. You are still holding your horse and you look around and you look to see where those weird flowers are and you don't see them anymore. You're now back where you always were on the trail that leads to your aunt's place, sort of in the backwoods and the hunting areas in the grounds near her chateau. What do you do? Since I can't see anything odd anymore, I get back on my horse and carry on. All right. Um, Alain. Inside your hot air balloon. Now, I'm going to ask you, are you choosing to pilot it yourself or is it is something that uh, you are uh, going as a passenger? No, I have a, I have a manservant who is uh, piloting it. You have so a I manservant. I piloting it. I just uh, enjoy observing while okay. I'm flying it. So, I mean, you're, uh, you know, um, gliding over the area and, you know, you can see that there are other um, hot air balloons in the area. There's a little bit of a festival kind of going on, but yours is clearly the one that mounts the highest in the sky, the fastest. It rises easily and, and uh, securely above the others and actually starts to break away from the, the pact. Your uh, servant, the pilot, is actually skilled enough to be able to kind of sense, you know, the areas where you're going. And you also, with that subtle touch that you have to kind of be able to see and understand uh, sort of, uh, you know, patterns and energies around here, you almost are able to direct him verbally, you know, to where uh, the wind is actually taking you in the right direction. Now, a hot air balloon is not something which is easily controlled in terms of the direction, but, uh, you know, you continue to float, you know, in a, a, a targeted loose way in the direction um, of your uh, your aunt's place. Now, um, you start to hear the sounds of the and the rotors of some sort of aircraft, and it's probably a helicopter. And the helicopter is sort of uh, royal silver, uh, royal blue and silver, kind of reflected off I in the wind. I pull out a telescoping uh, spyglass. Okay. Uh, as you do, you can kind of look over and you see uh, your cousin Cassandra looking out from um, the the from from the uh, from from the window as a passenger um, over in there. Um, but then, as you kind of you know adjust a little bit to kind of get a, a better sense of her, all of a sudden the lens in your spy graph actually shifts. So you know when you have a, um, a kaleidoscope and you kind of turn it a little bit, things kind of shift and you get a, a weird pattern, all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like the lens just clicks like a camera for a couple of seconds. And then for the weirdest time, um, you get a little bit of a kaleidoscopic effect. You see, you think your cousin, you know, and her face kind of, you know, split into, you know, a star that kind of starts to rotate in a fractal kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, pose or, or, or a split. And it kind of whirls around in a spiral shape. And, you know, you are able to, with the incredible power and 
concentration of your psyche actually hold on to those multiple images, but it's becoming actually different. Cassandra, you see your cousin and you can see him inside and all of a sudden he is pulling out a long stick which flashes in the light. You can see the reflection of metal. Um, your senses tell you that it is probably not a weapon, even from this distance, even inside the helicopter uh, and going. Now you're moving actually quite quickly and you could be out of this space or you could actually turn towards the hot air balloon. What do you choose to do? I go towards the hot air balloon. You go towards the hot air balloon. What and how close do you want to get? Well, I don't want to get so close that I hit the hot air balloon, but I want to get close. Okay. All right. You kind of turn. And as you do, you all of a sudden, it's almost like time slows down a little bit. You can hear the whirring of the rotors going, and all of a sudden, your intensely aware senses start picking up almost this sub sonic rhythm that seems to be bumping throughout the cabin. And as you do that, you're watching the revolutions of these kind of rotors kind of move back and forth. And you see one color turning almost this black color. And then another, this kind of shade of gray, another back to black. And it's almost again, like the world switches into this strange kind of negative in a photo type of thing. And for a split second, the entire sky seems to turn yellow, like not a mild yellow, but like a bright yellow. And then it flicks back. And then you're looking at the balloon over there, but it you know, it's not really a balloon. It looks almost like one of those, like a Zeppelin kind of thing. It's like a miniature, um, you know, extended balloon with kind of wings off of it. Um, and you don't think it's the same color as, uh, you know, what was there before. Um, your, Is the sky still yellow? Uh, no, it's actually kind of flipped back. But then as you're looking through the rotary blades, it kind of, you know, creates a little bit of an interference. And as you're looking through that, again, flash into yellow. And your pilot turns his head towards yours. What do you do? Um, I take over flying. I'm okay. sure I'm good at flying. You reach <laughs> over and you look at the man's face and um, you can kind of see past his shaded visors, but you notice that he has some sort of like medical mask on. It's kind of a bright blue color with a little bit of a filter on it. And he seems to be breathing through that. And as you look into his, you know, mirror glasses, you can see yourself reflected and you grab hold of the reins. He starts to resist. It's like, what are you doing, madam? I am taking over. Okay. And you just like want to take it out? Yeah. Okay. So he resists, but like, I mean, you are so skillful and so quick. You just kind of you know, pull him off to the side and then whoosh, the world flashes back to normal. And oh my gosh, you're going really closely now to where the balloon is. And then you can see the helicopter actually diving in on your position. God damn it, Cassandra, again. <laughs> oh, do this. This is not a zero-sum game! <laughs> okay, and then, like, with you hear that, you hear the... And, like, the helicopter turns, and you can hear, like, the creaking of metal being understressed. And, you know, it actually starts to spin almost as if it's out of control, and it's starting to spiral closer to your area. Um, and, you know, again, you're in a hot air balloon, which barely has any controls, what you know, whatsoever. What do you do? You've got the wind behind you. You've got, you know, you could pull on the thing to give it a little bit more gas. But one way or the other, I mean, this mechanical machine made out of flying parts and jagged 
mess of metal is is coming by. I, uh, I I push my uh, my man servant Zhongyi out of the way, and I try to gain elevation as quickly as possible. Okay, so you kind of pull on the thing, and your reflexes actually flare the balloon upwards, and you kind of shoot, and it elevates over that position, and woof, like the. The, the helicopter nearly misses by about like 10 meters. I mean, and it was a good thing. Like if you hadn't had that really quick reaction, it actually probably would have crashed into you. And then you can see that, you know, the, the helicopter is spinning and sailing off in the other direction and as you fly above. And then you kind of see a glint in the far sky of this shining star that uh, reflects, flashes and starts to get bigger. Okay. Tycho. Um, you are now descending into the... Okay, so did your spaceship, does it actually go into space and therefore you have to, you know, get into the stratosphere and then you have to kind of get the heat resistance and all that kind of stuff? Like, what, what happens yeah. with, with that? Okay. All right. So you are now descending and, you know, based on the physics that will happen with a descending spaceship, like the heat um, panels are actually kind of flaring and, you know, it creates this kind of, you know, this this uh, this uh, aura of resistance and, and heat that is kind of, you know, coming down and you're actually plunging towards the earth now is it a parachute involved kind of thing i think so you think like, so uh, okay uh, slow everything down it's got these big parachutes that okay uh, so um you know you're getting to the point where basically you need to deploy them and you kind of click it off you you manage the controls you're kind of keeping all the other things um uh you know kind of going and then you uh, uh move to kind of press the button um as you press the button uh, something really weird happens. The button normally is, is a very strong and solid contact, but now your hand or your finger presses into something which is a little bit more like jello. And as you press it, your finger kind of sinks in and you can feel the substance of this gelatin almost flow around your finger and actually start to almost climb up a little bit. It adds this kind of weird, uncomfortable, uh, cold, tingly kind of sensation as you press your your, your finger into this gelatinous uh, substance. What do you do? I try pulling my hand back out. Okay. As you do, it kind of, you know, hangs on for a little second and then it, it kind of releases. And then you realize at the rate you're now descending, you've actually passed a point where, you know, you should have gotten that parachute off. It, it really is something that you should have actually activated. And uh, you can see that that button now, it's now overflowing with a strange, almost like green like jello that kind of floods over the panel a little bit. Um, and then uh, you can see that um, there are other kind of, you know, jello-like buttons that are kind of oozing liquid off on the side of the panel as well, where normally you would have had like attitude control. You would have had the yaw, the pitch and those things. But somehow something strange has happened and, you know, your cockpit has actually transformed where some of those key controls and those key buttons have become something else. What do you do? Hmm. Um... <laughs> <laughs> is there anything in here that or is everything become jello? Not everything has come become jello. It's really just those buttons. Um, so the buttons that. So how about the control stick? Can I try to 
to um, control it. I mean, I, I, I think usually you can't really. <laughs> okay, well, okay. So, so let, 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 let's let, let's say you do this. I mean, you kind of you know um, you know uh, pull on on the control stick. You can see one of the jello things actually start to fritter off, and then you start getting like you know the warning signs about like you know approaching a certain altitude. It's like ding 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 ding, like warning type of thing. And you manage to kind of you know pull it over, and you have a certain degree of control, but it doesn't control the rate of the descent. So you can control where you're going, but not actually, you know, uh, how far. And really, it's about deploying the parachutes. And you're looking around for like another thing. Um, Oh, there is um, just your luck. Um, There is like another alternate button that says kind of emergency on it. Okay. Um, I'll give that a try. Okay. So you pull it and then like you are the whole um, capsule actually starts, you know, shaking and things like that. And, you know, you kind of go through this, this uh, point of turbulence and you can see that, you know, the, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the parachutes kind of flare into the air. And, um, you know, as you look out of the open cockpits, you can see, you know, the beautiful colors of, you know, gold and green, just kind of, you know, slowing everything down. And then you look and, you you know, you're looking, you can kind of see there is a spot of metal below and a weird kind of balloon shape object below as well. But you're actually starting to slow your descent. And then the the um, the sound in uh, the warnings actually kind of ends. Um, so that kind of happens. Now, the rest of you, Cassandra, mm-hmm. after you take control, within half a second, you manage to get things under control. But then the pilot is like, Madame, what are you doing? Why? Why are you like? Why? No, I was. I will fly this thing. I know I have a license, Madame. Please let me go. You don't know how to you fly lost this. Lost control of the helicopter. I had to take over. I I do not know what you are seeing. We nearly hit that hot air balloon. What hot air? I I did not see this. It was not on 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 any of the scopes or anything. Anyway, you can take over. <sighs> okay, Madame. Please. All right. So. No other strangeness happens along the way. And other than these small moments of what I would call a flash of strangeness, you all each in your way basically pass it by and it never seems to kind of come back. It is fresh and very vivid in your respective memories, but you call, all arrive at your aunt's at the time that you want to. Now, uh, do you have any Trump objects at hand to contact Cassandra? So, Richard, you are not a full Trump artist, so you have never been able to create an actual Trump of any of your siblings. Um, all Trumps that you create are temporary in nature at best. You could put them maybe as a scribbling on a napkin or a piece of paper or whatever, but it does not have the permanence of a true Trump. So the answer to that is no. All right. Can I contact Cassandra on my cell phone then? You absolutely could contact her on your, on your cell phone. Ring, ring. Okay. <laughs> I, I dial her up. Hi, LA. How is it going? Cassandra, you bastard. Why do you always have to do this to me? All the time. For years and years, you always have to show me up. And now you try to kill me. <laughs> ah, you're impossible. <laughs> so are you. Nah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Astrid, I'm going to say you arrive first because yours is the most simple, direct kind of matter. 
following um, close behind you is Sorrel. Um, Cassandra, you arrive next, um, clearly on the helicopter pad and things like that. And then next will be Alain. And then finally, Tycho, who arrives late, but definitely in style um, in a different way. So you are each greeted in your own way, courteously by the staff of your aunt's uh, uh, mansion. And this mansion is called Chateau Montmorency-sur-Rennes, and it is a glorious place. And you have enjoyed this very much uh, in your childhood. And, uh, you know, uh, Astrid, you are met by the butler, Albert, at the, at at the at the front um and uh he also summons Yvon to kind of take your bags and things like that how are you madame it has been a, a long time since we have had the pleasure of your company how long will you be staying with us uh this year you know i'll stay for a bit and uh, would you prefer a room uh, looking out the window uh, in the upper uh, chambers, or would you prefer something on the main floor? I would prefer a room with a balcony so I can wake up and meditate by the mountains every morning. That sounds lovely, and I believe most of our rooms on the upper floor, they all have balconies, so we shall uh, take you more to the east wing or closer to the west? Oh, the east wing, so I can... Rise with the sun. Mais bien sûr. And he gives you a respectful bow. Uh, dinner uh, shall be in about two hours. If you wish to uh, make yourself comfortable, it will be in the, uh, the Chambre Touchard Fauché. And so we will see you then. And uh, please, we do expect uh, that you are in respectful colors. I must inform you that uh, your aunt uh, Florimel is not on the premises. She did uh, leave us a message that she would be uh, traveling back, but she is uh, occupied at the moment. I hope uh, this is not an inconvenience oh. to you. Well, it's, it's a little strange that she's not here for our reunion as our host, but... Yes, uh, we, oui, madame, I, I understand, uh, but uh, please, uh, we can trust in the staff. Uh, we are, of course, very well trained under your aunt, and uh, uh, she has given us very uh, clear direction uh, as to what uh, we are going to be uh, doing as well. So please uh, make yourself at home, and if you need anything, please, you can contact Camille, Isolde, Hildegard, Florent, any of us. Uh, we are here at your disposal to do as you wish. Very fine, thank you. Okay, that's great. Um, Astrid, uh, sorry, not Astrid, um, Sorrel. Of course, you come in sort of the back way, um, you know, that leads to the stables and things like that. So that's definitely not the usual kind of front door entrance. It's kind of, uh, of a back. And um, you can see um, one of your cousins looking at you from the balcony, kind of grinning um, at you as you approach in style. Uh, he is smoking on some form of cigarette. You recognize him as your cousin, uh, your cousin uh, Gideon or Gideon. And uh, he's got kind of, uh, you know, slim build, athletic, kind of reddish hair, a little bit of a, you know, Francis Drake kind of piratical beard. Um, he's got kind of long flowing silken kind of colors and, you know, very well fitted. And he is just kind of amusingly watching you uh, kind of uh, trot up uh, with your Palomino. And he says, ah, Sorrel, first to the party? 
certainly didn't beat you. Well, who does? So what do you think's going to happen this year? You know that she's not even here, right? <laughs> oh, our dear Aunt Florimel. Uh, she's kind of, you know, persona non grata right now, and she hasn't even bothered to show up. I was talking to Albert, and uh, yeah, apparently she is on some type of trip and might not even be showing up for day one. So we've got the house to ourselves. That should be interesting. Quite a shame. I was looking forward to speaking with her. Of course you were. You were always one of her favorites, I suppose. <laughs> well then, um, yeah, I guess, you know, do your usual, talk to them, see what room you kind of want, and I hope you and I will have the pleasure of a dance later. Look forward to that as well. And you, my dear. All right. And so, Sorrel, you kind of go in um, and, uh, you know, you have your pick of the chambers. Uh, is there any particular uh, needs that you have to have met or, you know, any uh, particular preparations that you require from the butlers or the maids? I would like to be closer to an exit to the stable so I can go out there in the morning and go on my Okay, so then you're going to be placed more towards the west wing um, as opposed to the east side. But yeah, that is closest to the stables. And uh, do you have a preference for, uh, you know, a, a higher chamber or the main floor? Main floor will be closer to the stables. I think the main floor. Okay, then that's fine. All right. Cassandra and Alain, you both arrive within relative... Um, similar times because you're both taking the aerial route and by the time that you know the helicopter you know kind of slows down and all that thing you can see that your cousin is starting to float down um you know it is a bit impressive that he's able to actually steer the hot air balloon you know precisely enough to come towards a helipad and you can choose to wait for him or not i'm gonna land first you're gonna land first are you gonna go in and not wait for him i i can wait for him okay but i'm going to all right so the pilot stands by you and he's still he's checking all the you know equipment on board the helicopter and everything is just kind of looking around he's a little bit nervous um and alain you kind of land uh and uh, you manage to kind of you know secure the balloon and everything like that um and then let's say you hear this kind of wump uh, of a sound of a large metallic craft crashing into the nearby forest and you see these large stately kind of gold and green <laughs> parachutes just kind of uh, you know float down and uh, you know you kind of shake your head a little bit as you see Tycho arriving in his usual let's say over dramatic ways and you can see him start to oh, come out of, oh, of the game of competition exactly <laughs> so yeah so the two of you are there i'm um, waiting patiently by the side of the upper chambers and the the balcony and and the roof area is uh albert and he is waiting for you and who is albert, albert is of course the butler oh bonjour albert bonjour Even my cold state, right? glare at him okay and he says, I hope you have my room ready of with course, the requirements I have. Mademoiselle, absolutely. Uh, you had made those very clear to us. And thank you very much for clearing them with us, uh, as opposed to uh, Monsieur Allais. Uh, sorry, Monsieur, I do have to ask you, as you did not inform us uh, ahead of time, what uh, what arrangements... Oh, and there is a extra bottle of uh, the Réserve Spéciale, the Ombre et Crépuscule. It is the fresh um, pick 
week of uh, 10 years that we have aged specifically for this instant, I will send two iced bottles to your room. Is that perfect? perfect? Wonderful. Oh, I am sorry, Monsieur Allais. Uh, what can we do for you? Oh, obviously, I would. Uh, I have a room probably reserved for me in the kennel because you think I am such a dog. <laughs> Tell me, other. How many times have I been here? Tell me. You, you have been here many times, monsieur. I will tell you, I have been here 57 times, and every time I have been greeted with a bottle of champagne. Where's my champagne? Am I such a dog, you? M- monsieur, monsieur, p- please, please, we must be civil, because, and I must inform you, you may feel that it is appropriate to speak to me with this tone, but I know you would not do that were the mistress of the home here. I am sure you no, would not... she would speak to you like that, to treat her... No, monsieur, like this. no, monsieur. Florimel, the lady... And I will tell you too on that thing. You speak to this, this Cassandra first, but you know she tried to kill me on the way here. Monsieur, that uh, your family business is your family business. I am here only to provide for our guests. Now, I will do what I can. I do not think I have a réserve spéciale for, uh, for you, but I am sure I can get you the house wine or something. Maybe Chateau oh. Montmorency uh, 99. Okay. Give me the champagne. Oh, okay. Just, well, very well. We will. It will take some time. We will send it up. I'm sorry. We do not have it exactly for you. No, I now, open the bottle of champagne myself for my manservant. I have a glass from him. I just open it, pour it, and I just walk to my whatever room I've stayed in for the last fifty years. Yeah, Albert kind of. such a dog. He 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 just shakes his head and he just kind of walks and patiently he just kind of you know waits until you finish your drink and you kind of leave the area. Um, Monsieur, if you wish, you do not have to carry your own bags, but of course, if you wish to, since you insist... What do you wish, Obviously, I'm a dog to you. Perhaps you would like me to go on no fours this time. Monsieur, monsieur, please. Uh, Yvonne, please, will you deal with Monsieur Allais and his baggage? Make sure that everything goes to his room. Try to find him an extra bottle of uh, the, the, the Montmorency, and if not, give him something, maybe a German beer. Uh, anyways, uh, so, uh, thank you. Uh, we shall see. Now, dinner is in two hours, and uh, it is in the Fouchard Toucha room, if you would uh, join all of your compatriots, please. And please make sure that uh, you have a little bit of dirt on your shirt. Make sure you, perhaps we can get that touched up for you. Oui? Oh, thank you so much, Monsieur. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. I just on my way. Okay. And then you can see as he kind of walks by, like the door in, in, in the, 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 the canopy area kind of walks in as Tycho as you kind of go over. And then like Albert, even though he just came off of basically having this kind of dispute with uh, Alain, he's like, Monsieur Tycho! It is good to see you. <laughs> oh, come. And then he kind of runs up to you and like his, his, his arms are kind of open wide and, you know, definitely, you know, welcoming, welcoming you into his embrace if you want. So when I, when I got out of the car or out of the, the shuttle, I, I was wearing like, um, a spacesuit or whatever, like a flight suit. Okay. But then I kind of reached down and like pull it off and it's got like, like the snaps. So I could just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You snap it. It kind of goes off. That's cool. Snaps. And, and, uh, so, so now that you're out of your, your, your suit, what kind of, uh, you know, dress wear do you actually have? Green and gold? Have, um, cargo, cargo shorts and, um, <laughs> and like, uh, um, 
uh, like a sleeveless, a sleeveless like a t-shirt and like a shirt, like a Hawaiian shirt on top of that. Wow, like, Hawaiian like, shirt. And 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 Albert, who you know, if he was talking to Alain and he saw Alain dressed the way you are, uh, uh, you know, he would have you know given him a dressing down. But with you, he's like. You are such a kidder. <laughs> it's a good thing that your aunt is not here. Uh, I trust that you will be switching perhaps into a different sort of casual garb when you come to dinner, sir. Oh, of course. No problem. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, this is so good to see you. It's wonderful. Uh, Yes. And arriving in such style. You know, every year I look forward to see what it is that you do. And uh, this year definitely is topping the top. Not that uh, Cassandra couldn't have done a little bit better. Almost crashing into LA, as I hear. Anyways, dinner will be served in a a couple of hours. You can uh, certainly entertain yourself. Uh, We do have a bottle. Or am I still with? It's up to you. Okay. I would think that you go to your room, okay. but it's yeah, up to I you. To um, and uh, basically, I believe the rest of, of your cousins uh, and oh, and your sister has arrived. She arrived uh, about ten minutes ago by horseback. So if you wish to say hi to her, that is fine. Um, and uh, please, if you need anything, uh, we are at your disposal, of course. All right. I, I pick up this the champagne bottle, and then like I kind of look at it, and I say, "Hey, do you?" Do you need one? Oh, monsieur. Of course. Thank you. You know, I, I really shouldn't. I, I will keep it on the reserve for me, and I will remember that I you did this. Have to tell anyone. No, it, no. It's, 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 it's between me and you. Man. Oh, you are always. Monsieur Taiko, thank you. Thank you. Merci. Okay, and that's great. Okay, so, uh, guys, uh, you have, like, a, you know, a couple hours to kind of prepare. Uh, maybe we'll just kind of flash forward through that. But if you guys want to meet for, like, cocktails or, or something like that, um, just tell me what you want to do as a prelude to dinner. And so I assume I that – yeah, go ahead. Is there a grand piano anywhere? I play piano. I'm a, I'm a virtuoso. Yeah. Okay, you know. for sure. Um, yeah, and and so um, yeah, you you you. In fact, that sound and and you know his the very artistic playing. I mean, some of you could probably do better, but I mean, it's it's possible. It, it's good for kind of lounge music. And I'm sorry, what kind of uh, ambiance music are you actually playing? Is it like a classical or what? What are you playing? I'm playing Chopin. Chopin. Not a Chopin I can play. Because life is suffering, especially my life is suffering. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, and it's interesting. I mean, because I mean, definitely the the whole decor of this area. I mean, it screams European castle. It, it screams, you know, a little bit of the Renaissance. It, it screams, you know, classical music for sure. It's not kind of a jazz or a rock affair or whatever. But uh, yeah, your cousin is there, and you can kind of see him kind of tinkling the ivories and, and doing a, a good job at sort of uh, you know uh, sending. A, a lovely sense of music into the area. Now, I will say that Chopin is can tend to be uh, a little, uh, a lot of flair and a lot of uh, you know technical virtuosity as opposed to kind of uh, background music. So it, it's a little touch much for what it is, but I mean he's skilled enough to be able to keep it at a level where it could be used as background. So you guys, what do you guys do? <clears throat> Oh, well, for the two hours before, yep, I would freshen up a little bit, but I would actually be working because I have a case coming up. Oh, okay. What are you working on out of curiosity? It's, um, well, since I was going to France, 
I got a case of a high-profile French politician who's been accused of murder and I'm defending. Oh, it's like a legal case. Yes. Okay. Because I'm a lawyer. <clears throat> All right. That's fine. Very famous. Very famous lawyer. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about everybody else? Astrid, what are you doing? So Astrid is like a fitness and a business guru. Okay. Has her own clothing line and everything. And so she decides to do some yoga stuff. So uh, she actually takes a yoga mat down and hears this uh, vibrant piano playing mm-hmm. and decides that uh, this vigorous uh Piano playing is the perfect background music for her to do some stretching. So she just, in this beautiful piano hall, just sets out her stuff in her uh, fancy workout clothes and starts doing a vinyasa flow wall. Oh, very nice. Uh, a land place. And you kind of move. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I was going to wonder because Alain, I mean, you know, in, in comes uh, Astrid. Sorry, I just need to check stats here. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, <laughs> there, there is, you know, there is your performance, right? And clearly you're providing the entertainment for around, you're creating the ambiance, but in flows Astrid and, you know, her movements are kind of going, uh, you know, to your music and, you know, kind of putting into the flow. And in fact, um, you know, just the beauty of her movements is actually seemingly taking the scene on a little bit more, whereas you are now more the accompaniment to her actions. And, you know, um, Astrid, your your flow and your movements deepen even further, and you know you kind of switch from uh, you know d- different yoga poses. You extend them with grace and athleticism. There's a little bit of a leap that seems almost impossible as you kind of turn throughout the air and you land in a graceful pose and sink down towards the ground. And you know you can see that the maids are starting to kind of gather around the side. And although Alain, you definitely attracted them initially, you can see that the attention has focus now on Astrid. Um, Sorrel and Cassandra, you can now arrive as, uh, as, uh, as well as Tycho. What do you guys do? And Alain, do you change what you're doing? No, I just focus more on my music. I okay. don't care. This whole family is about competition and I hate it. <laughs> I just focus on myself. Okay. All right. All right. The others? I... It's dinner time, right? Cause yeah, I, I would arrive like like just as okay. So, so you don't want to do any small talk no. or anything like that. No, I'm too busy. Then okay, all right. So you kind of come in. Well, I, I think this is how it happens. Is while while um, Alan is trying to like pay more attention to his to his piano and just be like, this house is just full of competition. Uh-huh. And then like it's like like this like this thunder, this rumbling of, and then like. Everyone looks over and there's like this guy playing the huge, those huge Japanese drums. The Japanese drums. Okay. <laughs> now, are you trying at all to, uh, you know, harmonize or blend with his music, or are you just going full on Japanese taiko? No, are you sure? I'll, I'll, I'll harmonize. Okay, so so you're gonna is it a bit of a jam session. Okay, now sorry, I do have to check something here. Okay. So, Yep, you've beaten him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and so yeah, with that as well, right? And then I mean, you're flowing it too, and like, you know, I mean that that beat, and you actually add layers that are kind of 
um, not really complementary to to classical music, which is really especially a Chopin piano kind of etude, right? That's not normally normally it's meant for a single instrument. And clearly, even though you're blending with him, um, you know it kind of flows through. Now. Um, I, I will say, Astrid, you actually use this even further and you kind of just, you know, so the the drums add a sense of kind of heightened athleticism, a little bit more tension, and you actually become a little bit, you know, even more inspired from this thing that's kind of happening. So it, it keeps on going. And then you can hear this loud bark of laughter come from your cousin Gideon, and he just starts clapping his hands. And, like, you know, he's not even trying to kind of blend it with anyone. He's more just you know appreciating the spectacle now oh sorry people are tight is Gideon kind of like sarcastic in this or does it seem to be genuine let me check what your psyche is oh it's pretty high sorry <laughs> I need to check one thing everybody else is just just rub it in <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're not sure it could be both it, it, it could be either. You're, you're just not sure. You're trying to read them. Doesn't really get a sense. Now, last of all, Sorrel, um, you kind of can arrive on the scene. And uh, let me tell you. So there's this thing that's kind of going on. You've got this little bit of the Chopin thing. You know, you got the taiko drums going on. You got Gideon laughing and, and clapping and just being really loud in general. And then, of course, your cousin Astrid moving in a very impressive and inspiring um, artistic way, you know, inside of the hall. What do you do? I kind of roll my eyes at Tycho, and I go and I lean on the piano. Okay. All right. And uh, are you doing anything in particular, just trying to make it look good, or are you actually going to... In fact, attentively listening to the Chopin. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit hard to... Yeah, you know what? Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. You're able to kind of focus on it. And, you know, as you kind of roll your eyes, you know, you kind of look back at, at, at Tycho and that just becomes something that filters more into the, into the background. And, uh, you and Alain kind of make that connection that you sometimes do, uh, and, and share this kind of moment. And then with that, Cassandra, you arrive. The bells ring for dinner and it's basically uh, ready for you guys. Okay. So shall we go, everybody? <laughs> 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 and um, you know, so the door to the main dining area is definitely open. I mean, or are you going to waste more time with this music? <laughs> I stand straight up. I roll my eyes. I sigh, and I walk towards the dining room. Okay. All right. So the music stops. Does does the drumming continue? Does the uh, does the yoga session continue? I think maybe while everyone's moving to the like, we going to to eat. If yep. there's like this accompaniment of like. <laughs> okay. And, and, and are you trying to, 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 you know, what message are you trying to say with the drums? Like, are you just showing off or are you trying just, to? Just a accompaniment so that, you know, basically following as people walk, you know, okay. it's just basically either like a kind of, you know, syncopated beat towards the, towards like walking so that. Okay. You know, yeah, and, and so you kind of, you, you slow it down a little bit, and then you kind of, you know, put it into a little bit of a roll. And, uh, you know, Gideon actually, he kind of really swiftly grabs actually like another kind of drum hammer kind of things. And every now and then he does like a boom, like a counterpoint uh, and another counterpoint. And, you know, basically the two of you kind of finish it off. And, uh, you know, so, and what it becomes is this kind of 
of beat and counterbeat type of situation. And, uh, you know, you can tell that he is trying to get in the last beat, the last drum. Um, so is that something you allow him to do? Well, since um, if, if the action is talking anything, yeah. Yeah, I will. You let him? Okay, that's fine. All right. And and then he kind of gives you a lopsided grin, um, seeing and maybe understanding what it is that you're doing over there. And then he finishes off with this huge flourish. And then bong, as you leave, he doubles, he, he finishes off and kind of puts it away. Okay. So the rest of you kind of flow into the room and you kind of take your different seats. Um, now, there is a bustle of activity all around. It is a very elegant kind of dining scene. It, you know, absolutely wonderful there is kind of you know live music of kind of classical kind of quartet kind of going on so yeah definitely in sharp sharp contrast to the taiko drummings and things like that now you can choose to sit where you want to there is clearly at the head of the table the normal chair that is reserved for your aunt and it's one of those long rectangular ones and so basically um you know cassandra you're the first in the room so tell me which seat that you want to take Oh, jeez! Okay, so you pull up and you just like plop yourself down at, at Floor Mouse. And then you can see like, you know, the Metro D and all the maids. They're like, oh, mon dieu. She's see. not here. Right. <laughs> right. And okay, so you have chosen that seat. Uh, okay, so next, who arrived next? I think it would have been... No, it wouldn't have been Astrid because you would have to kind of finish up. So I will say... Sorrel. Well, okay. Who wants to go in next? Okay. Probably because everyone else is doing stuff, but I can cede that to someone they wanted. Uh, I'm trying to get in as soon as possible. Okay, so Ale, you want to beat uh, Leah. Okay, so Leah, it's your choice. You can let him go in first, or or you can go in first. Well, let him go in first because I take my time and like. All right. To be as I go in. Okay, so yeah, you kind of you know, n- nice and easy. And then uh, where do you where do you choose to sit, Ale? I walk in sullenly and I sit um, as far down the table as possible from Floramel's seats on okay. the side, not the end of the table, but right? The one that... Yeah, and it's not super long. I mean, it clearly made for like basically seven people, like your aunt plus you guys. But so you're at the far end type of thing. Now you can go on either side, like right and left of the table, or you can sit on the other end, which would be basically opposing Cassandra. Do you want to do that? No, I want to be uh, not opposing her, but also on the. <laughs> okay, that's cool. All right, and then uh, Sorrel, how about you? Think I am going to sit on the opposing side. Okay, opposing because side because it's to me. I think Normally I would sit. Oh, like literally opposing. Okay, that's perfect. Okay, so then the the opposite chair. Okay, so then Astrid, Gideon, and so Gideon will go in last. So Astrid and Tycho. So Astrid, you can go before Tycho if you wish. Sure. So Sorrel's at the um, foot of the table. Yep. Uh, then I will sit next to Cassandra on the uh, across the way from. Okay. Uh, to her right or to her left? Well, I think Elaine was to her. No, he's at no, the foot of the table. He's at the he's foot at of the, the table. Yeah. Foot of the table. Okay. Then I will sit to the right. Okay. And I, I mean, I am. I did put some formal wear over my um, yoga clothes, but I am barefoot. Oh, barefoot. Okay, interesting. And then Tycho? I'm going to sit um, opposite Elaine. So okay. 
So at the end with um, yep. Sorrel. So further from the end, but but yeah, okay. So basically next to yeah. Sorrel, right on the right of Sorrel and opposite from Alain. Okay, that's great. And then the last seat, uh, kind of opposite from Astrid, is Gideon, who is also next to uh, to Cassandra, and he just kind of you know pushes in and leans back very kind of comfortably. And so um, you are served a, a wonderful kind of meal, and you know there are you know introductory canapes. You can get some aperitifs. Are any of you drinking? Yes. Okay. Sure. Does anyone order anything interesting or different? I'm only having kombucha because I want to keep my body as pure as possible. Okay. That's fair enough. Okay. Um, You can see Gideon kind of smile at you as you make your drink order. As he clearly reaches for and orders like a whole bottle of the, you know, the latest kind of reserve. And he's clearly going for the best, most expensive and definitely most alcoholic. Um, and then you are met with uh, your uh, kind of uh, dinner choices or the waiters uh, and the maids kind of come to you and they are saying, um, would monsieur, madame, uh, what uh, sort of meal for your entree do you want? We have fish. We have a, uh, a vegetarian dish. We also have a, uh, a seared meat as well as a poultry. Which of these do you wish? The fish. I'm, I'm also a chef. So what is the most interesting dish? Well, um, monsieur, let, let us uh, say what we have. We have a lake patch from Lac Genève in a sauce meunière with some fresh herbs, of course. Uh, we have braised and seared leeks in an herbed wine and citrus reduction and wild forage mushrooms uh, just received today. Um, and venison that is brought back from the hunt in the backgrounds, for sure, seared to your preference, of course, with spring garlic butter and flavored with uh, wild savory. And last of all, le roast pheasant, uh, stuffed with arborio rice from Italy, chanterelle, apples, and echalots. So I do not know. I hope all of these meet your expectations. Can I have the pheasant? Is, is Georges still the chef? Is it Georges? Uh, n- no, uh, Elliot. Saint-Martin, monsieur. Oh. I, I would have thought you would remember from last time. I can never keep these things in track. I'll take the venison. Okay, the venison, and uh, well done, or how would you like it? Medium. Medium, okay. And a roast pheasant for you, uh, Madame Cassandra, Mademoiselle Cassandra, and uh, uh, for for you, Mademoiselle Astrid. I would like a tasting uh, tasting platter with samples of all the dishes. Ah, absolutely. We will bring that right away. In fact, we were anticipating it uh, for you, for sure. Um, okay, Monsieur Voyant, Mademoiselle Sorel, et pour vous? like the vegetarian option. Ah, we excellent choice. Uh, you know, we uh, did uh, forage this in the, the backgrounds just this afternoon, so it is as fresh as it could be. And of course, for you, Monsieur Gideon, we will get the venison. All right. So, um, oh, Monsieur Tycho, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, I am assuming you probably want an extra appetizer, um, but uh, we uh, can bring you... Just my sister. Ah, of course. Yes, very well. You okay. Um, and uh, yeah, okay, that's good. And he actually, Tycho, he kind of comes by and yeah, the maitre d' kind of leans in a little bit further and he just kind of, you know, and you can sense he's like, you know, giving you the opportunity to order something special if you want it. 
Um, hmm. I feel kind of like uh, that episode of The Simpsons with Yoko Ono. I would like a, <laughs> a simple apricot floating in a, in a perfume in a man's hat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, they, 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 he kind of smiles around whatever. And, you know, you know that what he's going to do is he's going to have some interpretation of basically what, what, what it is that you are saying. And then he's going to bring you back his best ability to kind of reproduce that. Okay. So what I'm going to say then is that, you know, dinner begins to progress. The orders have been taken. You have some salad dishes. You have some water. People kind of come by, refresh. It is as professional and as good as it could possibly be. Alain, you could definitely do better in terms of, you know, the, you know, presentation and, you know, how things are kind of laid out and the timing, a lot of these things, especially given your training. Um, but I guess the floor is kind of open to you to kind of discuss amongst yourselves. So go ahead and, you know, chat, if you will. And uh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm That's better. I just saw the meme, Duan. I didn't see it. <laughs> okay, so Leah, what are you saying? Sorry, Sorrel. Okay, so yeah, I, I mean, you know, um, yeah, and so Gideon says, oh, uh, he says, Tycho, why the spaceship? I mean, honestly. Well, was, we had one lying around, and uh, I needed to, to put it through the spaces anyway. So, you know, I just figured I might as well kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you, yeah, did that for sure. Um, and he kind of gazes over at Cassandra, right? Making, you know, definite eye contact. So, still busy with your legal pursuits then? Yes. Can I, can I ask you something? What? Why do you bother? What do you mean, why do I bother? You could do anything with your time. You have seen the things that we all have seen. We know that whatever legal briefs that you're doing for your whatever government or corporate clients, do they really matter at the end of the day? They're just... It is something to do. Doesn't it bore you? That's why right now I am doing legal stuff. In the past, I have done others things. So this is just your personality? You're just kind of boring, you know, from that perspective? I'm not boring. Prove it. What would you like me to do? I don't know. Surprise me. That's something I've never really seen from you, cousin. Anyways. Anything... Can I, uh, can I interrupt? Absolutely. Please do. Come now, Cousin Gideon. The law is like one big puzzle. So Cousin Cassandra just does puzzles all day, exercising her mind. What could be more interesting than that? Well... You need something to do in a day. Things are so long, and you need something to fill them, obviously. I like. You are all welcome to join me tomorrow morning for an inner light meditation where you can connect with your higher self. Oh, please connect with your higher self. Alain, I know that you don't enjoy these particular displays, our usual, let's say, family patterns, but you, I know, at least... You mean the usual dysfunctionality? Yes. Everyone has to be the king? 
if you wish to call it that. I was just going to pay you a compliment to say that at least your studies and your focus allows you to delve in things that have real meaning as opposed to wasting your time with trivialities as he stares at Cassandra. Uh, yes, I've withdrawn from the science and most everything. I just focus mainly on my painting now. Oh, painting, are you? So yes. what sort of... Uh, artistic mediums are you exploring these days? I didn't realize that uh, you had uh, leanings towards the visual arts. Of course. I, it's, it's beauty. It's transcendence. This is all I want. Just to do my own paintings now. I am tired of this science and everything else. I just I do oil paintings. It's nothing special. Oh, come now, cousin. You're being far too humble. Surely there are subject matters that drive and fire your passions and imaginations? Of course, beauty. I just want to find beauty. I just look anything beautiful. A beautiful woman, a beautiful man, a beautiful flower. But I, I can never find what I'm looking for. Well, maybe... Cousin, it's because you are unhappy with yourself. You must be at peace with yourself before you can... No, I'm perfectly happy with myself. I'm unhappy here in these foolish meetings that we always have to attend to. God bless Florinelle, I love Auntie, but ugh, these things make me crazy. You are serious? You are openly claiming that you love our aunt. She has always been very kind to me. She is a dear lady. You know she always likes Tycho best. Oh. Jesus. I don't care. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have to attend these things once a year. I, you know why. You're here so that you can try and uh, see her studio, aren't you? That's the real reason. Why not? Am I to be ashamed of that? She's a great artist. She is more than a great artist, and you know it. I know that, but I also have a wise tongue. <laughs> I see. That's what she said. <laughs> then, um, for a second, you hear like, you know, the, the click that happens when you get industrial strength air conditioners just switching on. Like, say you're in like a restaurant or a big, a really large office building and all of a sudden there's a click and then you get like, you know, this, uh, the, 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 the wind and, and the power of the air conditioning kind of turn on. You have a very similar effect that happens. And for just a couple of seconds, the temperature in the room, it shouldn't drop this precipitously. It just drops like about five degrees degrees and so when you think about that you're just like sitting let's say the room is like 21 degrees and all of a sudden it drops till you know like 17 like that's actually really cold really quickly so that happens and it stays like that as the maitre d and the maids and everyone kind of comes in and uh so they they kind of come over to the tables um Ale and cassandra there is something odd about the servers. This is a very subtle thing. And in fact, the other people who noticed this as well would be Astrid. Um, they had their buttons on the right-hand side. These are on the left-hand side. And there is also a pin with like a, it looks like a crane that is on the left lapel that wasn't there before. Um, and I so, my, sorry, go I ahead. Focus on them. 
Sure. Absolutely. And I mean, all of you, you know, start, you know, realizing, boy, it is actually getting pretty cold in here. And like, I mean, and wow, this is a little bit subliminal, but okay. The, the musicians, they're not classical musicians anymore. You got, there's a dude with a, like a bass and he's like, and it's like this kind of light kind of jazz going on. And then, uh, up comes, um, the, the butler and, uh, you know, the different maids and, and they kind of bring the plates to you. And, uh, he says, ah, yes, uh, for you, monsieur, uh, Tycho and, uh, mademoiselle Sorel, you ordered the vegetarian. Uh, voici uh, the, the white asparagus meat Hollandaise sauce on Bavaria coffin salad. And, you know, they're not speaking with a French accent anymore. It's clearly a Germanic tinged thing. And they unveil a beautiful plate, but not of leeks, but white asparagus with a lovely sauce on it. Um, and to Gideon and... Ty- who ordered the um sorry sorry that that would have been the 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 the, the sisters that would that would be Sorrel and Tycho who ordered the venison I did okay and then so Alain um in front of you uh the spice boar shanks brought back from the hunt today with the spring garlic butter here it is and uh you know that you got like large kind of sausages and you know it's not like a venison steak at all it's got like a larger kind of you know like a more bloody actually cook on it uh and you can see that there is quite a bit of red oozing out medium just like you all did monsieur and then um you ordered the chicken yes the pheasant the pheasant okay and he un um you know takes takes the silver platter and he uncorks it and it is a stew and in the stew are pieces which looks like, to your eye, stewed rabbit. Ah, the Hassenpfeffer, mit, uh, with beer and uh, Zwieven Pilsos as well, as you had ordered, madame. And then uh, lastly, did I get, oh, Astrid. Astrid, what did you order? My uh, uh, tasting menu. Oh, your tasting menu. Okay, yeah, and, and you get like a you know a whole range of things. Like there's trout, and I mean everything. You got a bunch of like sausages and things like that. There's some you know harder German cheeses. There's some kind of you know dark Bavarian breads and things like that. A whole thing. There's a little bit of a fondue, but clearly not ger- not French, but German. <clears throat> and then with that, this flash of lightning kind of rings on the outside and you didn't really notice the windows before or maybe you did the windows probably were more square but these ones seem a little bit different and they're kind of flashing a different color and all of a sudden there's a rumble of thunder and lightning that kind of goes and in the background a little bit of pitter patter of rain okay as a uh, in one of my previous careers i was a physicist i i find this immensely interesting has this ever happened to me before so, nothing specifically of this nature where you remain in one building and conditions are, you know, one thing, and then while you stay in the building, it becomes something else. I mean, all of your experiences, you know, when you move from one location to the other, of course, you're moving in relation to that particular environment. And so, as you move from one environment to the other, of course, you can encounter different things. But typically, it doesn't happen when you are stationary inside the environment and then the environment changes around you, which seems to be what has just happened. 
Okay, Gideon kind of kicks his leg back. He kind of actually lights, um, he didn't have a cigarette. He actually has a cigar now and he kind of lights that. Gideon, and, please. What? No are, smoking. Are you gonna tell me this? Okay, we had French food. We were in the French Alps, and now we so get all this- So you need to smoke, because things changed. Seriously, alcohol would be a better choice. I've smoke. got my alcohol, but now they're freaking giving me beer when I ordered wine. What's with that? We are obviously in a different place. Okay, well, whatever. You know what? If you're gonna load it over this whole kind of table thing or whatever, and like you're gonna presume to be Aunt Florimel, then I'm out of here. And he gets up, storms out of the room, and he just takes off. Is this Gideon? This is Gideon. Uh, can I stop him? I'd be like, whoa, whoa, this Gideon. You would have to grab his hand and physically uh, stop him. Is that something you wish okay. to do? No, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm physically, it's more just like, hey, just... Yeah, if, 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 if you do try to tell him to, to, to chill and try to con, uh, you know convince him using words, he doesn't slow down. You would have yeah, to physically intervene. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... You've got to stand here with the rest of us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so what do you guys do? Another flash of lightning, and then another. Has anything like this ever happened to us before? Yeah, is this something completely new to us? Okay. I think you said it was. Nothing like this has ever happened. And then as you are kind of debating and having this discussion, watch the where the, the, the flash of lightning kind of uh, strikes, again, that weird sort of reverse polarity, the sky turns bright yellow for like a microsecond. Is it and then, the same yellow that Same yellow, absolutely. And it flashes back and then the lightning kind of returns. And then from the rain, it now starts to pelt with hail. And you can hear it actually begin to pelt down. You can see like two of the maids start to look a little bit nervous and one of them actually starts backing off towards, you know, the back door and, and, and she actually kind of leaves. And, uh, you know, you've got the maitre d' looking a little bit nervous and he's looking up at the sky. What do you guys do? I get up and I go to the window. Okay. I, I find this immensely interesting. I take out a small writing pad with a little nubby pencil and I start taking notes. Okay. Um, I pick up a big chair and throw it at a man breaking his back. No, actually, I don't do that for <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, so Sorrel, you go over to the window, and just as you do that, the lightning flashes, and you see for the briefest second this face that is staring at you in the window from the outside. These mirrored sunglasses that kind of flash and reflect you and the room behind you. And instead of a mouth, a face mask of kind of this light blue medical thing that is kind of tied to their face. And you see one of those kind of look at you from behind the window as the lightning flashes. And again, now for a whole second, Wham! The, 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 the sky turns that bright yellow and it flashes back away. And when the yellow turns back to normal, that guy is gone. Would I have seen that? Yes, absolutely you saw it. In yeah. fact, all of you, for so sure. Made, uh, so I'd pop up a bit and be like, I, earlier today I saw 
I saw someone with a mask like that and glasses like that. I saw the yellow sky earlier. Really? I had an experience with temperature change. If anyone what seems cooler in here now. It definitely is cooler. Sorry, what did you say, Katie? You repeat? What is Aunt Laurel up to with this? Maybe it's not her, maybe it's somebody else. From the kitchen area, you start to hear almost like more activity. It's almost as if the sounds coming in the kitchen have started to take on a little bit of rhythm. Any of you who are kind of active musicians and have that kind of a background, you can hear a much more percussive noise coming from like knives. And instead of the fine slicing of a French chef's knife, you now have the rapid percussive pounding of a large meat cleaver that is kind of hacking into different pieces of flesh from, um, you know, at least beyond. I mean, your, your senses are that uh, acute to be able to tell the difference. And then you hear um, and, and smell um, more intense heat that is rising, not from a grill, but from some sort of like gas flame surface. And then you can hear the sizzling of uh, probably vegetables in meat just kind of steaming and you start to get the, the, the um, you know the, the sensation or the savoriness of kind of soy and Asian flavors and spices and peppers kind of coming and then uh, you can hear um, you know more kind of commotions and you actually think you hear a language that it's not Chinese it's not Japanese it's not Thai I mean you all know those languages but it's almost like a blend of all of them it's the this weird pan-Asian conglomeration and you can hear you know the, these things being loaded up and you can hear like loud noises of the chefs and all these different people kind of moving around from beyond. I stand up and I walk over to the kitchen. Okay. Um, rapidly coming from the kitchen is um, you can hear the wheels on some sort of trolley or cart actually swiveling and moving in your direction. You can hear the rattling of plates against the side of some sort of, uh, you know, cart or trolley moving quickly in your direction. They're actually about to appear through the door. What do you do? Well, I get out of the way of whatever's coming through. I stand to the side, but I do want to inspect the kitchen. So. Okay. As you do so, coming out in like single file, there are... Have you guys ever been to Deem Sum? So Deem Sum's kind of an experience where they bring different kind of uh, small bite trays of, of different types of food, typically steamed, sometimes fried on carts, and they basically wheel them out. And what you would do at the tables is that you would call out, you know, for the different things. And so basically coming out, there are two carts that are now filled with what looks to be some sort of, you know, weird Asian contraptions. They have these kind of, um, you know, like a wok-like steamer things that have, you know, a stuff kind of coming out with it and then you take a look at the servers and the servers now no longer in this kind of white uh, French European garb actually is more of a very weird almost historical Japanese or Chinese fine brocade and embroidery and you notice they all have these kind of uh, you know medical masks on and you know their eyes are kind of slitted and uh, you know just kind of you know very uh, you know thin and their skin is actually a fairly dense yellow color. 
So not like, you know, Asians, some of them have kind of, you know, a yellowish tinge. This is exaggerated, almost Bart Simpson-like. Not quite that much, but but it's it's a very deep hue. And uh, you can see one of the waiters, they actually turn and they bow to you, um, Alain, as, uh, you know, they kind of turn off to the side. Do we still have our German food in front of us? Your German food? Yeah, you know what? Um, that has kind of switched too. You now kind of have some rice bowls and you have like sauces and there's chopsticks and, and basically the whole thing has kind of turned into this, you know, basically in, in, in right. Asian. I'm a nervous eater. I start, I start like, I speak to them yeah. in Mandarin and I say, what would you recommend? Ah, uh, ni hao, ni hao. And, 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 um, for a while there, um, they sound like they're kind of speaking gibberish, but then, you know, you're able to kind of, you know, focus your attention to kind of the rhythms and the patterns that they actually say. And then you realize that you can actually kind of communicate directly with them. Oh, we have uh, everything that you ordered, sir. Uh, we have the deep fried uh, over here and then uh, the live calamari uh, freshly taken and also the drunken shrimp uh, that is coming in. And we did it to your liking to make sure that we slice down the middle of the shell while it's still alive so it is very fresh just for you i say excellent but this is they're not speaking mandarin are they they are not speaking mandarin now the rest of you especially those of you with high psyches so like cassandra you pick up what he's doing right away Mm -hmm. and you can know the other of you you're kind of struggling a little bit but you can hear little bits and pieces that is enough for you to piece a lot of this stuff together especially when alain speaks the way he's intoning it the way he's kind of linking words and ideas together you actually get a slow sense and while he does that you're able to adjust your own thoughts to be able to kind of match the language and then you can understand what they're saying. Now are these, the chef and stuff are focusing on Alain and not the rest of us? Um, at the moment, yes, but the, the chef is actually in the back of the kitchen. Now Alain, you said you did take a look back there and I mean, it is not the finely controlled environment of a French or European uh, you know, kitchen. It is something very different it is very busy you have a lot of in fact kind of some weird meats that you don't even recognize that don't look like chicken don't look like you know rabbit or anything like that some are like you know tentacles some are kind of hanging out of weird shells with kind of um you know some some blisters coming out of it some weird vegetables that are colored odd colors that you don't really understand like blues and purples and bright orange that type of thing um, but again, they seem to be just working with those materials. And it's almost like, you know, if you would have gone to a Chinatown, it's just a little bit different. But again, the foods and the colors and whoosh, the sky flashes yellow again. And all of a sudden, you feel the house begin to shake with the hail that is getting intensely more powerful by the moment. And in fact, the rhythm of the hail is actually taking on the same rhythm of the taiko drums, right? That very pattern, the very beat that you guys had kind of established, you and Gideon taiko, it's actually mimicking that very thing. So should we start doing something about all of this, people? Because... Um, I don't really care about the food right now. I'm kind of curious about what's going on. Well, 
I'm going to walk outside of the room and just, or look outside the dining room door and see if it looks different outside there. Okay, what about the rest of you? Do I have any magic that could help me divine what's going on? Where we are. You have sorcery, so you could absolutely do that. Now, it will take some time and it'll take, you know, some concentration. But yes, you could take in enough time and concentration. You could absolutely do some form of divination spell. Is Gideon still here or? You don't yeah. see Gideon anywhere, actually. I said, please come with me. And uh, I, I, I look at everyone and the time is short. And I, I go up to my room to start some sort of magical spell. Okay. So what I'm going to say, before you're able to go to your room, you kind of exit from the main dining area. And that's what you did, kind of, Cassandra. Mm-hmm. So as you do, and all of you are actually, you know, you start to leave the main dining room. So you, now the area that you were in before was a really large kind of living, entertaining area with these large windows that kind of opened up. And you are greeted with the wildest kind of scene, okay? So where before you were very clearly some Somewhere in the French Alps, in a beautiful pastoral kind of you, know, you scene out there now, and then the the whole the, the lightning flashes, the sky turns that bright yellow, and then fades back, and then you can see like five. 10, 15 of those spectacled people in the raincoats and the medical masks just looking at you from beyond the window as hail begins to hammer on the outside. Flashbacks to yellow. I think we need to capture one of these. Maybe we should just talk to them. All right, what do you do? It's generally a better way to to interact with, with people I start talking to the people and find out who they are. Are you going to the window and just going to talk to them from across the window? Or are you going to actually go well, outside? Well, aren't the people who, like the, like, are, are the Chinese people still there? The Asian waiters type, they're, they're still back in the room and they're preparing food. They haven't stopped doing okay. what, what, what they were doing. These ones are more like the visions that Sorrel had. So remember, there's that one vision, the thing flashed white, and she saw that person looking out of the rain. That's what these okay, ones are. Okay, I go talk to them. Okay. All right, so you move towards... Yeah, I think I would like to go with this. Okay, so you're following her as well. Um, what about Alain, Sorrel, and uh, Tycho? What are you guys doing? I'm proceeding up to my room to begin a magical spell. Okay. All right, so... Over at Sorry, what are we, what are we doing? sure if I want to get near those people outside. In fact, my intention is to go and fetch my fencing sword. Okay. And in fact, um, your sword is actually located fairly nearby. So that's part of the equipment that, you know, the people had uh, extended to you. And with a little bit of relief, you notice that it, it's kind of, you know, secured away and is quite closely nearby. And, uh, you know, it does seem to be unaffected by the rest of the changes. But you do now, what type of uh, fencing sword is it? Is it a saber, a heavier weapon? Is it an epée, a lighter weapon? It's an epee. Oh, it's an epee. So one of the things that you do notice, though, is that there is a faint kind of gold filigree that kind of is traced throughout the entire pommel area that wasn't there before. So it, it has shifted and changed slightly with the rest of the house and the furniture and things that have gone on. It is not quite the same epee that you normally wielded um, back at your home. 
Okay. Pick it up and I give it a few experimental species. Okay. As you do that, it, you know, it flies very easily and well between your, your hands and your actions. I mean, other than the waiting, it's balanced extremely well. It is your sword for all intents and purposes, except for the decoration and the filigree. Okay. You move to open the door and you sense that there is something on the other side. Okay. A presence that is tied to some form of power. You can feel it shifting so slightly. You can feel like you listen almost and your senses extend from beyond the door. And you can feel these two kind of eyes that are kind of this bright blue color. And all of a sudden, like you hear before it actually speaks in your mind, there's like a caw. Call, Meaning like a, like a raven or a bird. And then with that, there's a rapping at the, the door, a very sharp sound. Not quite a knock, but more like a beak tapping on the door. Okay, but I can, so I can sense this raven in my head? In your head, in your senses, you, through the use can of your I, psyche, yes. Can I use my psyche to get into the head of this thing? You would have to extend, you might have to touch something. Do you open the door? Okay, so you open the door. Alain, you are beginning to cast your spell. And describe to me exactly what you are trying to accomplish with it. Okay, I, first of all, is, is Jean-Guy still here? Uh, who is Jean-Guy? Jean- My manservant? Oh, your manservant. Uh, okay, let's say Jean-Guy is there, except for he is now more like... Wong from like Doctor Strange. So he's kind of Asian garbed. He's all kind of in a long kind of kimono type of brocade type of thing. He's got a, you know, very, uh, you know, Asian stereotypical hat on a long braid and he kind of bows deeply before you. Ah, yes, master. How can I help? I get my walking stick, which is actually a sword cane. I toss it to him. I say, guard the door and put on some Beethoven, please. Okay. And I start... Um, readying a spell to discern where we are actually at, what oh. is going on. Um, okay, perfect. Uh, what... All right, so he does, so he looks a little bit confused by the word Beethoven, and it's almost like you get the sense that he doesn't really know what that is. Do you say anything or do anything to change uh, his reaction? Um, is it Peepa? I think it's Peepa. Anyways, yeah, we'll just pick any random kind of Chinese instrument, and he kind of nods his head. He knows what it is, and he starts, you know, you know the the the, the um, sumisen or whatever. It's kind of like a Japanese thing, and he begins kind of playing that. And you know, again, it's and then weirdly, it's kind of you know harmonizing and blending really well with the hail that's coming, you know, coming down from the outside, and the, you know, the Japanese drumming and everything like that. It actually is very weird the way it kind of synergizes with you. In fact. It even accelerates your spell so that normally it would take a while for you to set up the appropriate alignment of your patterns and your your glyphs. But somehow with the combination of your servant's music plus whatever is going on outside, you seem to hone on it all of a sudden. And then you get this flash and you can feel that there is the gathering of some sort of powerful energy that is 
somewhere in the lower areas, maybe a basement area, and you can feel it pulsing at you, a direct line of immediate, powerful, uh, magical energy, or maybe not even magical, something beyond that, that is actually growing and pulsing from somewhere within the mansion. Do you open the door? Yes, I I open the door. Where we are in the universe, are we in the same world? So I'm not going to answer that question yet. Just hold it there. As you open the door, this large, gigantic raven with midnight blue kind of feathers and these icy blue eyes kind of flutters in. And it is huge. Its wings stretch. Its claws are coming towards your face. What do you do? I, I want to get into its mind. Okay, so are you going to let it touch you, or are you going to try to grab I'm it? I'm going to try and grab it. Okay, you do so, and uh, how exactly? Well, uh, I just, like, it's, I kind of just put my hand okay. out. You put your hand out, and it kind of blocks it, it, its thing, and as it, done, it does this, it makes this, you know, instant kind of contact with you, and then you can feel your mind kind of descend into it, and you can see these spirals, almost like, you know, a double helix kind of glowing blue shape of a, like a DNA type of thing, unwinding and unwinding and unwinding. It goes deeper and deeper into its beating heart, and then it flows in through its eyes, and then um, after you kind of release the contact, in your hand is a small envelope, and in it, you can feel that there is the object of power you know as the trump. Okay, I open the envelope. Is the raven still there or did it go away? The raven is there, but it looks like all of its energy has flowed out of this. Whatever it did in order to bring you that message, to bring you the envelope, seems to have taken all of its vitality. And you can see that it is slowly starting to not decompose, but the integrity of its of its physical form is starting to deform and starting to melt away. What does everyone else do? You see this stuff happen, and um, you know, and and all this is kind of happening simultaneously. Alain, you were also like censoring the gathering of this energy. Astrid, you can see that Cassandra has made some form of, you know, psychic contact with this strange, you know, raven that's kind of coming on the outside. And, uh, you know, Tycho and Sorrel, you guys are standing in taking all this stuff in. And so do I, I sense Trump power? Hold on just a second, Alain. So go ahead, Katie. Or rather, uh, Astrid. The bird does not seem to want to hurt uh, Cassandra. I'll just step around and outside the door and try to speak with the masked figures and say, who are you and what do you want with us? Who are you? You, you. And you realize that your voice carries into an echoey chasm. Because as the lightning flashes around the mansion, which is normally, um, you know, high up in a beautiful mountain space, you're surrounded by dark crevasses and chasms and jagged peaks that kind of seem to flow mile after mile away from this. And the mansion 
is the only place that seems to be in the middle of all of this. You can see very little vegetation. What you can see is sort of like, you know, conifers and really thin pine trees. It is not the lush summer deciduous forest areas that you're in. Those figures, whatever they are, they are no longer there. The sky has returned to a normal color. There is a little bit of rain going on, but your voice echoes and echoes and echoes throughout this chasm. You open the envelope and you see a picture of a middle-aged man with scars that are kind of everywhere along bits of his face and bits of his arms as well. His whole body seems to be whip-like corded muscle. And as you look at the photo, you could swear that he's holding a position of um, martial readiness. It's almost like a battle stance. So if you see people preparing for some sort of combat, it has that same intensity and that sense to it. His colors are varied and actually more kind of horizontal stripes. He's a very gaunt individual. Um, but yes, very... Um, Do I recognize him? You do not recognize them. What you do recognize is that whoever it is in that picture is a warrior of incredible skill and written in every ounce of his being and his essence is concentration and discipline and perfection. Is there anything else in the envelope or just the trunk? Just the trump card. And I recognize what this is, right? Well, you have heard of the trumps. You have never actually studied them. Now, this is when you feel the flaring of trump energy, Alain. And you can feel, actually, there's now two pulsing points. One is coming from the uh, the foyer area, and it is a strong, very persistent kind of flashing of energy. Your spell, um, you know, isn't going to hold long enough to be able to pinpoint that, but you know kind of where it is. It's very strong. It is very solid. He lost. He's off. Okay. So he lost um, sound and video, he says. Oh, no. That sucks. This is what happens. Cassandra basically um, takes out of a, a manila envelope a trump card. The trump card is actually um, uh, of a some sort of warrior, um, a, a thinly dressed man, um, you know, very uh, intense and very powerful. And as she takes that out, you sense... Um, very distinct energy of Trump, but it's actually two sources. One is coming from the foyer area. It is very strong. It is very focused. The other one is a little bit more diffuse, and it's coming from somewhere deeper within the building. So well, I recognize it as a Trump card then? Absolutely. Without a doubt, okay. this is Trump energy. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I say to Cassandra, Madame, may I have that? Okay, so, so you have to leave your room and you would kind of come down. Maybe you're shouting from the balcony. Is that okay? Well, I'm assuming you said I saw this whole raven thing, so I'm assuming I left my room. No, no, well, okay. So what, what I was describing is the result of your spell. So when you cast your spell, you were able to sense this. You're going to have to stop your spell casting, come out of your room in order to have that conversation. Is that what you do? Okay, yes. Then, uh, yeah. Okay. 
All right. So uh, you can see Alain kind of arriving. Um, he looks like, you know, he's got a little bit of a bead of, of sweat on his face. And um, he says those words to you, madame. Can I have that? Well, I think that we should all investigate this further before I just give it to you. Madame, do you know what it is? It is a trump. Ah, you have experience with trumps. Not really, but I know what it is. Well, I do. Please, I beg you, let me take it. Okay, so I'm going to say this. Yeah, you know, you all have pretty strong psychic orientation. All of you can sense the power of the trump card that Cassandra is holding in her hand, right? You know a little bit about, you know, the Trumps and how that they represent, you know, the connection between reality and the image. And your what you can surmise and maybe what you can even sense, those of you who have more training and power, is that that card can provide a direct connection to whatever is in the image. Now, Alain, do you tell your uh, cousins and your, uh, your your cousins about the other sense of Trump energy that you've also sensed deeper within the building? Yes, I say there, there's some strong magical powers here. I don't know what's going on, but first one is from this card, and the second one is from downstairs. So th- would that be another card, or would that be the object of this card? I cannot say yet. There are different types of powers. Should we go... S- well, we should- uh, so I, I will say this. Alain, you know that both sources of energy are Trump-based. Okay? Now, you don't have to reveal okay. that. Okay, I know... Uh, well, I will. I know they're different, so... Okay. When I had contact with the raven yes did i feel like it was a good thing or a bad thing was it a good energy or a bad energy so it's difficult to speak about such things in those terms the bird did well did i feel that it was trying to help or that it was trying to hinder it was not trying to hinder it had a purpose and its purpose was to deliver the trump card that is why it was created. Well, I think we should contact the person on this trump. Does anyone recognize it? Do any of us recognize him? <laughs> so, both Cassandra and Astrid, you heard tales of an uncle called Benedict. And Benedict was known to be the master at arms who trained all of the warriors in Amber. And you don't know why you're thinking or hearing those words all of a sudden. Like you just realize, especially as you hold onto that card, it kind of flashes and something rings deep within you. This almost genetic level recognition of the truth of that statement. And you can feel that there is this inherent history that flows through your own bodies in your own blood. And you know that Benedict is one of your uncles and is a powerful, feared individual in all of the kingdoms. And again, you're like, what does that even mean? And, and, you know, you process it for a second, but, you know, you know, deep inside that you can feel that this is true. And all of a sudden, all of your pursuits, your legal things, the things that you do at, at the yoga studio, all of your pursuits, they seem so pale and so ephemeral 
as to almostly be meaningless. And only what's happening here and the object that is in your card, this interaction that you have, good or ill, with your your siblings, this is what matters. Okay. I'm going to concentrate on the card, thinking of Uncle Benedict. Okay. What everything I know of him and try to reach him. How about everyone else? What are you guys doing? Is this something I can help Cassandra with? Yes, if you want to hold the card along with her and make a double contact, but Cassandra would have to let you do that. I'd be okay with I just stand and watch. Okay, so both you grab the card, and you both kind of feel it flare and flash along the sides. You can feel the energy begin to creep up. And again, Alain, with your studies, you can see that flare and begin to almost form this spiraling aura that is starting to flow over both of them. And you can see their energy start to intertwine together. The trump begins to get warm and to become diffuse, and you feel your intellect and your psyche drawn into the card and you slowly start to shift and at a certain point your psyche comes into contact with Astrid's and it starts actually melding together. Do you allow that to happen? Yes, I allow it. Oh, you do? <laughs> I was this, I think. I'm freaked out by that. Okay, so it's almost like Cassandra's mind is so powerful, so fluid, like water, it starts to flow over the construct that is your psyche, and it starts to, like water does, it starts to meld into the porous surface of your mind and your psyche. And it is starting to actually soak the, the, the surface, and it's beginning to actually start to um, wet the whole thing, and it threatens to actually plunge into you. And it's happening yeah. now. What do you do? Am I aware of this with my psyche? You absolutely are. Can I use a power word if this is the uh, Okay, I'm just going to check something first. Okay, so Katie, uh, Astrid can absolutely go before Richard, in fact. You know, so you would have the first action before Karen to do whatever it is you want. And I would I say... I Oh, you're just going to let go? Okay, yeah. you release the card and you lose the, the the contact with her, and you know it's it's almost like you know that that relief that 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 water like that was threatening to drown you just kind of goes away, and you kind of step back and um, in fact back into um, Sorrel and Tycho, um, and then with that, uh, sorry, Alain, uh, did you want to do anything else? No, she's... Okay, so so the contact has been kind of released. Now, your uh, Cassandra, you can um, see that, that tendril kind of go in, and then there's a pinprick of light, like in infinity away, that is just like, that's the only bit you can see, you're actually surrounded by darkness, and you can see that pinpoint of light, like a brilliant star at I the very end. Okay, so you turn, and then you can feel yourself lengthening through this connection, and then you hit this light and all of a sudden it flashes open and then wham your your 
brain and your your psyche and your concentration smashes into a jagged wall and it starts pushing back against you and you can feel it on the other end whatever it is is kind of bolstering and pushing against it it doesn't want to let you in you can see small cracks within that psychic construct you could worm your way in but it could hurt I'm going to try. Okay, so you push even further, crack in the wall. It begins to kind of expand and open up, you can see. And then he's closing it. You can see the eye kind of concentrating with the fury and trying to meld it back together. And Keep trying. Okay, so guys, you see Cassandra's body start to shake and to start to actually go into a very real convulsion. And any of you that have like medical training, this is not her faking it. This is something that's happening. Blood sugar levels are dropping. You can feel tremors happening in her physical body. And, you know, you can see her hands begin to shake and actually have these large kind of movements that are just kind of jerking her body in one direction and, 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 and back and do forth. I know this is happening? You don't know anything. Okay. What do you guys do? With my knowledge of the Trump, do I know what's going on right now? Is this usual or is this something very bad that's happening? So you are a partial student of Trump. You know that normally if there is a willing participant at the other end, it's like a phone call. But if the person doesn't want to be contacted or maybe is unsure of a contact, they might try and block you from actually picking up. That is likely what is happening here. And you surmise that Cassandra is trying to force her way through that contact. Um, could this end poorly for her? It could. It all I'm depends on the... Support her so that she doesn't like just fall over and collapse and hurt herself. That's a physical support? Are you attempting to lend any energy from a psychic perspective? Well, I, I think everybody else is better at psychic than me. That as, is... as you, you mentioned so, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the rest of you? Like Sorrel or, or um, you know, Astrid, do you guys lend anything towards this? Yeah, yeah I can I... lend stuff. Yeah. I, I have a power word that I think might help here. Okay. Uh, drawing on my fitness guru background. Okay. I have a power word, beast mode. Beast <laughs> mode. <laughs> now, I'm assuming, is that a, is that a, uh, a beast it's mode? Like when, it implies physicality, right? It's an endurance kind of thing. Okay, so all of a sudden, nice. Okay, so that's what you're doing, Sorrel. Are you doing anything in particular? I'm kind of. I'm gonna follow Tycho's direction and also come to support her. Okay, so just from a physical perspective, and again, Tycho last. Okay, so Tycho, are you doing anything on the psychic plane, or is this purely physical? I, I, I'll help on the psychic plane. Okay. All right. So your mind also is kind of drawn in. You feel a powerful pulse of psychic energy flare through this magical contact, this power word. And that actually kind of flows to you. And it almost feels like a rope that has been attached to you. And then flowing through that is like a lifeline of that extra jolt of energy. You can now see this crack open wide. And with that pulse of energy, and there's something else adding to it as well, you can actually pull on that and grab and suck the energy out in order to force your way through. I do that. Okay. Uh, so 
sorry, Tycho, you feel a little little bit of yourself begin to slip and to be drawn towards Cassandra, almost as a, like a vampiric sense. It's kind of pulling that part of essence of your mind away, and you feel it begin to actually escape and be pulled away from you rapidly. What do you do? Can I try to keep keep strong and keep hold fast because I'm 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 holding her also in the physical world. So are you going to like, let your psyche enter hers? Are you going to let her use your psyche? Uh, can I tell that this is that she's doing this on purpose? You know what? Her mind. And her psyche is so beyond your comprehension and ability. You have no idea. All you know that if she's can in you, there... Can you, can you, can you explain again how, how inconsiderate my... <laughs> well, you are rank five. That means you're last on the list. <laughs> so I, I'll ask you one more question. So there... Sorry, go ahead, Saul. I try and anchor Tycho. You can, physically or mentally? Mentally. So you're going to enter that as well. Okay, so you feel your sister's um, presence kind of anchor around you, and it gives that kind of solidity to you, and it actually kind of adds together, but you can still feel it pull. It's going to take all of you to basically resist and pull it back, or you could just let it go and go with it. Um, I'm going to rely on my endurance here. Okay, Good. Nice. Okay, and with that, you ba- okay. So you're unable to to really use that extra butt, but you do get the one that's coming from the the power word, and you now see the big crack, and you have the ability. You said you want to force it. Mm-hmm. Wham! It breaks open, and behind it, there's a surprised look of Uncle Benedict from behind it, and he's kind of looking in surprise, and he you know whips out, and now you know that this is happening on the psychic plane. You also know that you probably can beat him, but his construct, his sense of self, his essence is that of a warrior. And a blade, flashing steel, comes out pointed, you know, straight at you and says, who are you? Uncle Benedict, it's Cassandra from Shadow Earth. Do I know it's Shadow Earth or do I just say Earth? (laughs) You're Fiona's, aren't you? Sure. Now, Do I know that? <laughs> that feels right. Okay. For some, yeah. you don't really know why. You're not really sure exactly who she is. But when he mentioned that name, it rings like, yes. Yes. Okay. And you are powered with Psyche. Do you know and understand the Trumps? Can you come to me? I don't know. I have very little understanding. I know kind of how they work, but I don't really know. Where are you? We are not sure. (sighs) Something strange is happening. I don't have much time. I'm quite busy right now. Can you come to me? The world keeps changing. Of course it's changing. That is shadow. That is its nature. How do I come to you? (sighs) Do you have others with you? Yes. I, I named them all. Okay, you named them. And yes, Tycho, of course I know him. The others I do not recognize, but they are with you. Yes. Come to me. How? He reaches out his hand or the psychic essence that kind of connects to him. And he begins making that contact with you. On the other end, all of you who are in contact, which is Astrid, Sorrel, and Tycho, you feel a pulse 
coming strongly from Cassandra, almost opening up this psychic way as if it were a tunnel that kind of flashes open and pulses there. And you can feel it almost almost like the beginning of this vacuum that is beginning to suck you towards. And you can feel all of your essences start to pull and stretch in that direction. Alain, you can see all of this going on. You know that there's a Trump contact going on here, but there's also the convergence of multiple psychic presences, and it's all interacting with everything that's going on. You feel flash, another, that kind of weird polarity of everything kind of turning to that yellow, and then it, you know, kind of turns back, and with that, I mean, that sense of the immediacy of that Trump power, it's growing and growing and growing. What do you do? Can I? Wait. Alain. You said... The Trump power that's coming from Benedict or the Trump power that's coming from somewhere else? It's coming from the card. This is what you're focused on most immediately. You're not really concentrating or sensing on the other unless you want to back away from this scene and focus on what's happening below. How long? Okay, so with my limited Trump powers, um, can I identify these different Trump powers? Do I have time to do that? You have to make contact. If you make contact, you will likely be able to identify it. Right now, you are not in physical contact, whereas the others all are. In fact, they are in well, more than physical contact. They are in psychic contact. I This is keenly interesting to me, and this is something I've been looking for my whole life, so I'm going to join in with that. All right. Group hug, right? Yep. <laughs> so I do I sense anyone has fear and can I contact them psychically and say come it's okay are any of are any of you scared right now uh no I'm passionately intrigued okay right fair enough Okay, so down the pulse, you realize the pull, and it just has so much power, like a black hole just sucking you inexorably in. You realize it's the powerful mind of Cassandra, that arrogant, uh, almost authoritarian, confident presence, the leader in her, just basically saying, come. And you know that if you let go and you submit to that motion, that suction, if you will, you will flow towards her position, or all of you are anchored here and you could resist. What do you choose to do? I will flow towards it. Okay. Alain goes. Uh, I do as well. Astro. Okay. Um, so, uh, sorry, I'm always forgetting names. Sorrel and Tycho, you feel your stuff started to slip and start to slide. Even if you wanted to pull in, it's going to be really, really hard. And you're using every ounce of your endurance to try and push back and just kind of anchor yourself in. Are you going to stay? Sorry, what are you doing? I, I'm going to dig my heels in because I... It's stretching you like now. Most, especially because I'm most being forced by Cassandra. I, I don't want it, so I pull back. Oh, okay. And what about you, Tycho? You can um, feel it yeah. insistently. It's like if you're in a tug of war, but you're losing the tug of war, you're losing the momentum, the other side has it, and it's just pulling you. It's so much stronger than you. Yes, you're digging your heels in. Yes, you're resisting, but you're continuing to slide in that direction. Every amount of effort that you're putting to this, all your strength, all your willpower, and all your sisters, even connected through your kinship, it's not enough. 
at some point you're going to have to let go. I say okay, come I I again. I say it again. Okay, come. so she comes and it almost is like this like <laughs> psychic, you know, compulsion. And as that word kind of flows throughout and says come, you let go. And then um, Sorrel, you... I have a question. Yeah? Could I use a power word to help bring Sorrel with us? What is your power word? Remember your power My word? Heaven. Okay. What's your other? My other power word is chill out. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and let's just see here. Okay. You, you beat by one point uh, her psyche. So, yes, you flare out um, your energy as you're kind of tossing towards the other one. And then for a brief second, um, Sorrel, you feel like this weakening. It's almost as if when your brother is kind of taken out of your contact and out of your embrace. Um, and then with that, um, I mean, it's everything you can do, Sorrel. Do you still want to resist? Do you still want to stay? Everyone else has been sucked through and everyone is gone. You're the only one because remaining? Everyone else is, because they got Tycho, I'm, I'm giving to it. Okay, so you give in as that kind of wave of chill out just kind of goes over you. You fly through. Okay. All of you fly through what appears to be like almost like this endless spiral. You don't know how long you have been in this space and in this time. Cassandra, you can kind of see it. And it's almost like this weird cartoon. You stretching out throughout space and time towards, you know, Benedict's hand and his outstretched sword. And all of a sudden, whoosh, you stumble out the other end. Okay. And then all of you, wham, 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 like you kind of roll and then you recover. And you're skillful enough phys physically to be able to kind of recover this and you're like burst out the other end you find yourself in a place that you do not recognize at all there is some form of medieval keep or dark lighthouse or something that is shadowed and within this surrounding crevasse and almost like a badlands. The entire area is riddled with um, shadowy darkness and weird colors in the sky that sort of swirl from a purple to a violet to a rose and just kind of switch on and off. Again, the, the, the swirlings of these energies kind of crackle around the outside of this keep or this lighthouse and form this eerie kind of uh, mystical aura that flashes around. And it's not like lightning, like you get the jagged explosions. It's more like sparkles that kind of flash and illuminate it. It's actually more, you know when you see lightning, not up close, but far, where it kind of sparkles in, in the distance through the clouds? Oh, it wants to be on the recording. <laughs> no, 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 that, 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 that's fine. Um, you know, you get these kind of flashes of light. It's almost like bombs dropping and exploding inside a cloud. But, you know, those are kind of the flashes of the light. But you see this kind of jagged, rough uh, stone walkway that kind of winds up towards this parapet. And this whole area falls within this kind of valley. And then in the distance you see two there is some figure a human and you can feel and hear the slashing of a sword against metal and you see something else <laughs> a large metallic 
construct, huge and massive, slamming these mechanical legs and protrusions, these claws, and this whole, you know, chassis and mechanism just moving with this mechanical precision, and everywhere steam and fire bursting into the air as it kind of clams. And, you know, this small swordsman somehow is holding off against this gargantuan construct. This is that Benedict. You're not sure, but you think it is. All right, so we're going to return to our scene. So you are in this kind of strange alternate place that you know doesn't look anywhere like the sky itself is different all the rocks you know that the hues and the colors of this place are all subtly different than anything that you have come uh, come across even the 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 very surface of the stones itself have a certain reflectivity that kind of shine back with almost this weird internal brilliance and darkness but that's not what draws you. What draws you is the scene of this combat of a lone human, a warrior with a flashing blade that is moving faster than you've seen almost anything move, um, you know, fighting off and somehow managing just to kind of hold his own against this giant monstrosity. Now, you said it was a robot type thing? Call it what you will. It's a construct made out of some form of metal and steel. And, you know, again, you'd have to get a lot closer to where it is, but it clearly is some sort of, you know, uh, mechanical beast or construct. Now, I am going to say this. Alain and um, uh, Cassandra, in fact all of you can feel the power, the primal power that is invested all in this place. And LA, you recognize and you can feel that this entire area is imbued strongly with the presence of Trump. As the much as much as you kind of understand that based on your limited training and understanding, things here are even more solid, even more real, and even more powerful. And one of the things that you notice right away, and you have a sense of this as well, Cassandra, is that construct it is powered by Trump. And in fact, you cannot Trump. Every time I say it, I'm like freaking, you know, President <laughs> Trump or whatever is powered by Trump. It's not powered by Trump. We're in trouble if it's powered by <laughs> President Trump. <laughs> so, so this, 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 this creature or whatever, and it almost seems like it's flitting. You can feel the shifting of states. Almost like, you know, when somebody shuffles cards, you're kind of moving through a display of different cards. It's almost like it's moving through a constant display of different Trump cards that are revealing different images, different presences, different things as it is kind of moving, thinking, being type of so thing. So can I use my psyche to interpret what it's, what's, what's controlling it? At this point, where you are, you only... And the only reason I'm giving you first go is because you're the highest in, yeah. in warfare. Okay. So it seems to be flashing through almost manipulating Trump at a lightning speed level, almost as if it is flashing through different images, trying to sort out which one it's actually going to use. Almost like a computer is flashing towards different states, different kind of uh, combinations of binary. It would be something analogous, but you're too far to basically really understand. You would have to get in physical contact to understand it on a psychic level, or you have to get a hell of a lot closer. 
Okay, well, I'm going to get closer. But I want to try... How far away are we? You're probably about 50 feet away. Okay. I want to get much closer, but I want to get it at a side so that it doesn't see me. So kind of like... Okay. I don't want to be like directly in front of it. All right. So you kind of move off to the side. There is a bunch of kind of, uh, you know, rocks and, and, and uh, you know, crannies and stuff like that. So Cassandra begins immediately, as is her way, kind of taking the initiative, going quickly, and she moves off very quickly, um, you know, moving towards the rocks. Next, it would be Astrid. What do you do? The um, the construct does it seem hostile towards us? It you don't think it's noticed you right now? Right now, all of its uh, you know its its consciousness, all of its focus seems to be at attacking the swordsman in front of it. I think that I'll move a bit closer, but I'll just watch and wait. Okay, so you're taking and a more kind. Con- an eye on my cousin. Uh, okay so definitely not as far forward as cassandra is you're kind of taking a more uh a cautious stance just more observing right yeah like if i don't know cassandra how many feet you move forward uh well i want to move until i can until i can actually feel like i can do something with my psyche Okay, so... Maybe I move like 25 feet. Okay, 25 feet. So what I'm going to say, Cassandra, is you don't possess... Sorry, what what power words do you possess again? Um, I possess sleep and... um, Fire. Okay. Yeah. You don't possess any powers that allow you to extend your psyche beyond your physical uh, thing. So your only option, if you want to make psychic contact, you have to go and touch it. Okay? So... That's that, Katie. You're, uh, sorry, I'm not Katie. Going right up. <laughs> okay. So, and you see her dash off at like a really fast speed to close the distance. Quietly, quietly and oh, slowly. Okay. So, all right. So, and not stealthily. Not, so, stealthily, kind of move up, and she's kind of closing almost two thirds of the distance. Okay. So, we talked about Astrid, and then next is Sorrel. What do you choose to do? Now, you have your sword, and you brought it along with you. All right. So, you have your sword with you if you want to use it. What do you do? I, in fact, uh, decide that, well, now that we're here, that's not the thing I have, and I go to join the fight with the swordsman. Okay, so you're just kind of going straight. You're not attempting to be stealthy at all, right? Okay, that's perfect. All right, so then you uh, move to kind of close the distance. And in fact, you can see that this swordsman is actually bleeding from multiple wounds. He has a large kind of gash in his side. As you kind of near to his position, um, you can see him try to nimbly step aside. He bats away this massive claw. You don't think he should be able to deflect it at all, but somehow he leverages, you know, the speed and the angle, and he just kind of barely moves out of the way but then another leg just kind of clips him on the side and his body is actually thrown um, you know about five to ten meters on the other way he kind of crashes into the side of of the keep and he actually starts to kind of go down on one knee and as you're kind of moving forward okay and then next is uh, your brother Tycho you see your sister bravely uh, dashing into the fray um, and, you know, there is this gargantuan construct at least three to five times the size of your sister. And it's starting to kind of whir around um, large flame and smoke billows from an exhaust at the back. And it um, kind of explodes that beyond. What do you do? 
Okay, I start running forward and I'm shifting into my um, fight. fight uh, Your combat form? combat form? Can you describe that to us? What does it look like? Sure. It is, um, it's got like plates, like um, they kind of look like, um, uh, like a scarab or a beetle. Okay. Um, and it's like segmented, but it's like um, like a bright green. Ooh, praying mantis um, kind of? Oh, sweet. Okay, that's different. <laughs> and, and basically, it's just I'm like all muscle and um, and uh, armor. Okay, that's and, cool. Uh, I rush forward and like basically go to fight um, head on with like with uh, my fists. Or okay, and and then so I mean, you know, you you kind of shift in, in into this mode, and it, it now becomes less about you kind of running like in a bipedal perspective. It almost becomes like this rhino beetle. You're on all fours, and you can feel and hear the ground kind of tremble as you close the distance. And in fact, you're closing the distance faster than um, than um, than Sorrel, just because of the enhancement that is built into this figure, uh, this, this this form of yours as you kind of lumber forward. Now, the noise that you've actually made as you kind of charge forward, you can see that there is some sort of, you know, device or sensor or kind of pivot that's on the shoulder or the head of this creature, and it kind of spins in your direction, and you can see the outline of what looks to be some sort of maybe a computer screen or a ghostly glow of like, you know, a a super large trump card, and you can see it flip from one side to the other, and then part of the torso begins spinning in your direction, almost ignoring the swords person and now starting to focus on the other two of you. So then next is Alain. You're last in this. Um, I am I'm very conflicted. I, this is what I've been looking for my whole life and I'm just almost enraptured. But now that I'm here, I'm terrified and I want to go home. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> ah, uh, I, I pick up some rocks and I, I throw them at this creature. Okay. Now, one of the things that is kind of throwing you off a little bit, okay, so you of all of your brethren are the only one who has done a serious study of Trump. And what that means is that at some point, you have had full exposure to the greater arcana. And the figure that you believe, now you never actually touched the Trump card, so you don't know, but the one that you think you are looking at, the one that you think just got smashed into the into the, the keep wall is Benedict. Benedict is the consummate warrior. He is the most powerful, the most skilled, the most brilliant tactician, and he has no parallel when it comes to combat in the blade. He is always able to anticipate, to outsmart, to outthink, to outmaneuver all his opponents, and you just see his body flung into the side of this Trump-empowered tower. You throw a rock and it hurtles across the distance and it is fast enough to close the distance just as, you know, the swords person, the rhino beetle are closing the distance and moving into combat. And then with that, the construct 
swivels its torso, and you can see a large claw start to move in your direction. Um, the the two uh, the siblings they're coming towards you really quickly. Okay, so it turns, and then we're going to do this almost quote unquote initiative order. I hate to use that term because it doesn't really exist. All right, so Cassandra, you have closed the distance stealthily, so not quite as far as the other two of your cousins who are yes. definitely going full combat mode. You have a sense of stealth and you have not engaged in a frontal attack by, of any yeah, means. So I'm trying to get around the side and I'm going to touch him from behind. Okay. How long do you take to do this? How quickly? So I for want to do it quickly but stealthily. Okay, so you're going to focus on the stealth. Okay, so you're just kind of moving off to the side. Okay, that's good for me to know. So you begin to kind of circle off to the side. Let's see, and your warfare is the highest of the bunch, okay? So you kind of move to an area where you believe it is the least likely for this being to kind of concentrate. And it's basically in sort of its rear position because the rest of it is kind of swiveling and yeah. is starting to turn towards the other two. All right, Astrid, you've moved halfway. That more kind of cautious position you can see your other two cousins moving quickly and determiningly and just going right into the battle straight off no hesitation but you have hung back what do you do yeah i'm galvanized by their bravery um i don't have a lot of weapons but i'm like a master at martial arts like anything that belongs to the body so i will run in full force um as well and is this a time when I can use my power word beast mode again to like fortify everybody? Like, I mean, it would uh, work on one target. It's not a mass effect spell. Okay, then maybe I'll hold off till we're actually in it. Okay, that's great. Do you want to... You would have the ability, I think, this turn to close the distance and actually strike at the creature. Are you trying to hit it independently of the other two? Or are you striking all together? Like, what, what are you aiming to do? I would primarily probably aim to assist. Okay. Uh, since I don't have the kind, of, I don't have a sword. You don't have a sword or a, a weapon or things like, like that. Beast or a power. Mode. Oh, or yeah, beast mode, right? Yeah. Okay. That's right. <laughs> okay. And as you do that, I mean, you begin to kind of spring forward. Wham, wham! The rocks kind of slam into, um, you know, th this this uh, th this creature, um, and you have an amber level warfare. So I mean, it's accurate, but they're just rocks, and it basically smacks into the side of this armored construct, and it just kind of bounces off and with that it's it. yeah it might have scratched I and mean, whether the stone is actually harder than the metal itself um you know it, it's it's probably not and the other thing you know you know that flowing throughout this construct is trump energy right so even if weight were made by normal metal it's the it's the it's the it's the primal energy of the trumps that actually flows through this. Now, as this happens, okay, so it swings at the two of you and uh, not Duan, sorry, uh, Tycho. As you kind of charge into it, do you have a particular target? Like, what are you actually trying to accomplish with your charge? Sorry, I I, I thought I, I went off mute, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I think. Um, what I'd like to do is I'm trying to charge him and like just knock, like kind of knock him over. Okay. So, so um, wham, your armored form smashes into it. And I mean, 
you're hit by like you smack into like it's a hard metal substance like even though you are armored you're still organic and there's something more powerful more primal more strong that is reinforcing that entire structure and in fact as you do that your neck and your kind of rhino horn sort of crumples in outside and you can feel the part of your armored carapace on the top actually snap and you almost feel like your bone just kind of buckles against it as you kind of smack into it it might have slightly destabilized it but it's not enough i mean it is big it is massive it is huge how much strength do i need to to hurt it <laughs> you, well you'll have to find out i mean you you'll have to like so right now you kind of charged into it um and that's using your bulk and stuff like that and and so uh where where you struck which was sort of like the bottom level of the chassis it yeah. matches you mass for mass and in fact it is bigger so yes you might have done some dents if it weren't protected by the power of the trump you might stand at a chance to actually buckle it but right now you have hit almost like a force field that is unyielding. And now, uh, Sorrel, Yorgo, you have your sword in hand. Benedict, your uncle, lies bleeding on the ground, um, you know, and you can see his eyes beginning to kind of flicker and his body beginning to shake. And you can see that weird computer stream begin to flicker back and forth and energies move back and forth. You see your brother bounce off, uh, almost, uh, you know, not doing any harm to this gargantuan uh, construct. What do you do? going to take the position to defend Benedict. Okay. And I'm going to see if the uh, metal creature will attack me and defend myself with my sword. Okay. As you do so, you sort of interpose yourself valiantly in between, and you basically start to move your, uh, your, your, your saber or your epee in like a defensive kind of position, creating this, you know, filigree and this network uh, before you. But as you do this, three, uh, large, uh, sort of like sub claws kind of, you know, close upon your area and like this drill and this saw, and you try to deflect them back and forth, and then one of them punches into the side of your 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 uh, your abdomen and you're actually thrown back violently against the you know the side of the wall you are still defending and on top of benedict and you've managed to kind of defend it there but it was able to get through your defenses and your skill was not enough to move it all right we're moving from that one and then we go to astrid right yes no this isn't it is it an ally? No, Astrid, uh, no, yeah, because you were going to assist, right? So you were trying to uh, combine it at, at the other time. So and then we can go to you as well. I'm just trying to see any vulnerable places, any sensors on it, and throw rocks at it, so like its eyes or cover or any sort of vulnerable area that could uh, either uh, distract it or even like, ruin its uh, How are you trying to gain this knowledge? Are you just looking visually at it? Are you trying to reach out with your sorcery to make that determination? Or are you making another kind of judgment call? No, I'm just visually. Um, it seems like some sort of robotic creature. I mean... It seems to have this screen or something, so... Yeah, in fact, I mean, and you can't really quite tell, but what you do see as, you know, the, the top of it is starting to kind of swivel around, you can feel the accumulation of kind of Trump energy, and all of a sudden, a Trump 
portal opens. You can feel that energy flow into the area and you can actually see all of a sudden almost like teleporting into the area. It's kind of adjacent to where Cassandra is, but she's still kind of hidden and off to the side. All of a sudden, these strange kind of quasi-armored, metallic-looking, futuristic warriors start marching out of this trump gate. There's about five of them, and it looks like even more, and they carry these strange, organically shaped rifles that begin to glow and pulsate with the plasma energy. Okay, and your rocks just continue to pelt off of it. Your rocks will not penetrate Trump, and they are likely not to damage the metallic surface. You're going to have to try something different. All right, Cassandra, you feel this Trump portal open behind you. Tactically, you can see that there's some other warriors or some sort of war band party that have been teleported into this area to try and outflank and to try and defend and protect. You could move towards the construct, but then you're going to be in direct line of sight to these other creatures that will see you and likely will fire their, their power weapons at you. What do you do? I am going to use my command word fire and try and put the, the construct on fire. The construct. Or no, the, maybe the other guys. Okay, so there are five of them. Right. You can only, you can choose well, one. Well, I choose the, the one that's closest. Okay. You kind of reach out, extend the power of your mind, you focus your energy, fire! And he basically... Ah! And he starts burning and like, you know, like his basically his eyes kind of flood out and he basically collapses from the, the power word and he's like burnt to a crisp and he's just like screaming in agony as his other ones are like, what's going on? How oh often my... can we use these power words? You can use it every turn, okay. but, uh, you know, it will have an impact on your endurance. Okay. But you are an amberite. Okay, so, you know, that firebolt took that one off. Are you going to do any other type of movement? Are you moving towards them or, or towards the construct? I'm still trying to get towards the construct. Okay, so if you do that, you're going to go fully onto, um, you know, in between the line of fire. Well, I don't want to be... I I want to do it in such a way that I'm not going to put myself in danger from either. Okay, so that, unfortunately, okay, because you definitely intervene and you put one of them on fire, they are not quite sure where it comes from. If you stay where you are, you can remain hidden. Okay, I'll remain hidden. Okay, so you're going to stay out of there. All right, so then next one, we're moving to Astrid. Okay, so you just saw this whole thing happen, and uh, yeah, it's not looking that pretty, but uh, yeah, go ahead. What's going on? So, uh, like, I'm in the middle of attacking the construct or supporting. I notice these guys. I notice Sanders' fire work. Um, I'd also like to use a power word on one of the um, people that just transported in. Okay, what's your power word? It's, I'm going to use chill out again. See if I can get her. Okay. And, one yeah, one of them just out. kind of, like, it almost like he like stops concentrating for a moment and just kind of loses focus. And he's actually wandering off in another direction, not even paying attention to what his compatriots are doing. They're all yelling at him in this kind of foreign alien language, but he doesn't seem to be responding at all. You've definitely distracted them for sure. Okay. Anything you're going to do movement wise, or you're basically staying where you are? I think I will stay where I am. Okay. Next is 
uh, Sorrel. So, Sorrel, you have been hurt. It's nothing that you can't recover from, but you definitely, you know, have a large gash in your abdomen. Your back hurts from being slammed into the wall, but you are in a defensive position to take any blows that are directed against Benedict. What do you do? I'm going to take this opportunity to change into my own uh, combat. Sweet. Okay, what does that look like? That is myself covered in golden scales. Ooh. And my eyes get flitted like a snake because that is my avatar. Nice. And uh, just my muscles get a bit more corded and sinewy. Okay, that's cool. Now, now, do you actually become a snake itself or is it sort of snake person? Person. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, that shift takes place and you're able to kind of, you know, swip, uh, switch fairly quickly into it. And I guess the question I have is, are you going to stay trying to defend Benedict's body with yours physically? Or are you going to move away in such a way that you're maybe attacking the construct, putting Benedict at risk? I agree, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sorrel, what are you going to do? Okay, defensive positions again. Better that than actually Oh, and you're really strong in endurance, in fact. Okay, yeah, and you know what? Okay, again, um, the problem is, is yes, you've managed to kind of hold it, but you only have this like small rapier and you're just kind of fending off this massive beast and this, you know, huge physical object. And miraculously, you manage to fend off like four different bows that kind of come in, but another one kind of slams into you. Um, now your snake-like form, you know, it has a certain degree of armor against it. So it's not quite as bad, but it still slams into your body and you're, you're taking that damage that that benedict would do and again it is starting to uh hurt and it's starting to slow you even though you're driven through your reptilian strength and energy okay so that's what you're doing next is tycho you are at the base of this creature and its huge chassis you are in your transformed powerful combat form what do you do so it has um, different appendages that it's using to attack with, right? Yeah, it, like, I mean, think of it of, of like basically a crab or a spider. There are two large kind of claw-like appendages, which are the large pe uh, things that it has been attacking primarily. But it also has these kind of secondary, uh, you know, uh, smaller legs that are more like pincers. And, you know, just think about a crab or, you know, a lobster or something like that, how it has, the, you know, the large pincers and then the smaller ones. It's the smaller ones plus a pincer, which is attacking off to the side. And, you know, also that's kind of defending around the area that you're at. So I want to grab one of the big pincers and rip it off. Okay, nice. Okay, you grab it, twist it. And you pull it off and like the, the pincer and that whole thing just goes, you know, it stretches for a second and then you can see these wires begin to snap and you kind of pull it off. In that second, Alain, you feel a slight and temporary wavering in the field that's created from the trump. It's almost like that force field where he pulled out the leg, almost had a little bit of a bubble, but almost instantaneously it seals it itself. But by doing that, uh, 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 Tycho, you've actually kind of slowed it and, you know, unbound 
balanced it a little bit so that it has to take a little bit more time and it's not able to focus as much of its attention on anything else. So you've managed to draw its attention right now, but all of its attention is, is drawn on you. Okay, next. Nicely done. And what do you do with the leg? I'm going to use it to beat. <laughs> okay, awesome. Okay, so that's that. Um, sorry, who is next in line? Alain. Okay, Alain. So I did describe, you know, what you had sensed kind of uh, from a Trump perspective, that that force field, that defense just went down for, a, you know, in, uh, a partial instant. But, uh, you know, it is now back up again. Can I... Can I- it, like, can I identify like the personality of this, this Trump thing, this power man? I mean, if there's like some person who's using this artifact, um, can I identify who is using it? You attempt to do so, and your imperfect training kind of clashes against a Trump-based, uh, you know, shield, which sort of flashes, and it's almost overloading you, like, with, like, a, a flare of magnesium, but sort of the psychic version. Um, your distance, where you're at trying to, to, to do this just, you know, using your, your, your Trump artistry, Trump is usually, and, and in fact, most things, they are best done when you activate the contact with physical contact. When you make that contact you're able to do it if you're just trying to use the power of your mind and your art it's less able to do so however the one thing that could potentially close that gap is sorcery the problem with sorcery of course is that it is slow if you had sorcery or a power word that allowed you to connect your energy to it that might work but you know uh, aside from yeah, that not right now what i'm going to do then is go and try and help benedict um, and get Benedict out of the area. Okay, so you're going to physically move into that area, and you realize then that's going to put you in the same kind of position as Sorrel, which you might become a physical, uh, you know, basically blockage from that thing. And if, if it is trying to attack Benedict, which at the moment it's not because it is attacking Tycho, um, yeah, you, you would have to... Okay, so you kind of rush all the way that full area. Okay, now... Um, what happens now is as you are kind of uh, sprinting across, you know, the uh, the, the field, uh, some plasma weapons fire out from these other warriors who see you moving out in that direction. Um, and basically it clips part of your leg. You dodge the other one and you kind of somersault against the other. It explodes against the rock and this huge explosion of earth and dirt kind of, you know, goes the other ways. And they say, target that one. And they're kind of moving towards and spreading out okay um cassandra you are well hidden okay there are one of uh, one of them you took down another one was taken out by uh astrid there are three who are remaining and they were directing their fire at la okay so the next one like the third one from me yep or whichever one of the ones that astrid didn't take and that i didn't take already Uh uh-huh I'm going to use fire. You're going to do fire again. Now, the other thing I could say, you could probably close the distance with them this turn. 
if you wanted to engage them physically, you could do that no, as well. I wouldn't okay, understand? That. Okay. So then you leech out poof, another one, and you know that the power is just a little bit under what you normally could do. Maybe it's just your adrenaline going on, but poof, he basically bursts into fire. There's two more. And like one of them is looking around and is starting to panic, and the other one is actually, hold the fire, damn it, attack! All right. Um, so then we then move to Astrid. Mechanic-wise, if I were to move to them and use my strength, would yep. I be able to attack more than one? You probably could. I'll try that. Yeah, I'll see if I can get the... Okay, so in a flash, you basically close the distance and you actually use this huge kind of jump and you stretch out both hands and you kind of grab them both together, slam their heads together, and they basically collapse on the ground as you kind of roll over. Um, yeah, and I do some cool flips. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like one, two, three, and then you just kind of get up, and it's it's so beautiful and perfectly executed. It's 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 wonderful to actually notice. Okay, so then Sorrel, you are in your snake and lizard form. You are limping from multiple hits from this creature, even though it has now its its attention seems to have been directed away because your brother has drawn its ire. What do you choose to do at the moment? I choose to I. Seeing what he's done, getting into the novel them entirely, and I decide to try and get closer to it and stick my sword into a, a joint. Okay. Um, yeah, so no, a a absolutely. You kind of slip in, and um, it tries to kind of maneuver away, but its attention is actually taken off and, you know, t uh, focused on, on your brother, and you plunge it deep within the inside. And again, there's that weakening momentarily of that force field from underneath, and you can feel some liquids or some oil begin to kind of, you know, uh, leach out of the area that you've just stabbed within. Now, it is a machine, so it's kind of analogous to you sticking a blade inside of a car maybe in the exhaust or something um, and you know you see some liquid kind of come out you don't really know exactly what you've done but your blade did penetrate all the way into the hilt and you withdrew it and you kind of swept it about a little bit whether or not that's actually done anything you're not really sure okay then we move on to Tycho all right, you now have the full force of this Trump construct fighting you in all its fury, all its madness, in all its power. But you are in your combat form. And I've got its, <laughs> got one of its uh, things, uh, one of its claws. Okay. And I'm going to try to, um, like, my plan is to smash the, so you said it was kind of um, discombobulated because. It's, it's pulled a little bit off. Because yeah. yeah, you rip this I'm going thing. To target the the pincer legs on the other side, so to keep it keep it still off balance. Okay. Um, and so, you're you're just trying to hit them. Yeah, I'm trying to smash them off. Okay. Um, Beating him with his own, his own arms, I think, is... <laughs> okay, so you basically kind of leap over, and I mean, you have this massive leg, and I mean, it's like twice the size of your body, and you slam it down against the other leg, and it just kind of buckles against the side, and... 
you know, it's not enough to do damage. The reason why it worked before is like you grabbed and got physical contact with it and you wrenched it out. This one, you're trying to use the leg as a weapon and it almost seems to scuttle away more quickly. And as it does that, it slams and smashes you with one of the large claws and you go flying backwards at least 10 or 20 feet away. You still manage to hold on to the limb if you want to, but man, did that ever hurt. All right, that's the guy's go that in the morning. Okay, Alain, your go. You, you, you are at Benedict. You have him in your hands. If you want to take him away from this place, you can. I do, very much so. Okay, so you grab him, you easily hoist them over your body, and then you just kind of keep on going. Where do you want to go? Far away from anyone who can burn us. Um, yeah, I just want to go try and find somewhere cover um somewhere by a tower well i mean the tower is literally where you're at right so there's this kind of enforced door over there um you know there's the the edge of basically like a like a reinforced fortified structure sorry can i get into the door well you'd have to try to open it sure well, i'll try to make my way over to the door and open it okay um you do and it basically is blocked to you, but you recognize instantly it's because it's Trump energy. Okay, can I, can I identify the source of the energy? Not this turn. So. Okay, so um, I'm just going to try and then get out of this combat zone then. So, well, okay, so, so yeah, like in this particular moment, what you did is you grabbed Benedict, you basically hoisted him, and you physically tried to enter the, the, the tower, and you found that it was blocked by essentially a Trump force field. So that's what you know at this point. All right, we're going to cycle back to Cassandra. All of those kind of uh, armored space warriors, they're basically down. Okay, you, yeah. I'm going to the construct, uh-huh. and I want to touch it, and I want to try and disrupt its shield or whatever else it's using to fight. Okay. You manage to approach it from the rear, basically taking it, com- not completely by surprise, because at the last moment it tries to swivel around, but again, you're approaching from that, you know, his blind side. Yeah. You kind of leech onto it. Where are you actually trying to make physical contact? With whatever I can reach. So you're going to go for the leg, the chassis, the body, the head? Well, I think the head's too high, right? It probably is. You would have to kind of jump or climb up there. I want to be able to, wherever I can touch, without like having to reach really high. Okay, so what I'm going to say is this. You actually scuttle beneath, and you're kind of below it, and you could touch its chassis. Okay. But there's a risk that it could just sit on you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you basically kind of touch, and you make that, that contact, but then again... Your hand comes up and your psyche flashes forward to try and penetrate. And then it basically is redirected, almost like water splashing off of a deflective surface. This Trump barrier has actually, you cannot penetrate it. it. Well, at least from this angle or wherever it is, you have not done so. Now, I will say this because of your strong warfare, your leading warfare, you did see Sorrel stab it with a sword and in that moment force field dropped for just a split second okay so when i see the force field drop i want to do it again okay that's fine all right so then we're moving to the next one in line which is astrid okay all of this the space creatures whatever those those space marines whatever they're down oh sorry except for the one who's chilled out he's just kind of wandering off um 
I think that I will. Uh, so I have a question about my other power word that I used before, beast mode. Yeah. I used it before. It was about endurance. Yes. Can I? Can it like be contextual? So it cannot. Okay. It cannot. So it's, so it's, it's a one-time it's specific time use. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Nice try. Right. Um, I think I'll do something similar to Cassandra, where I'll um, try to get into position and wait for a second for the shield to drop and then target um, an appendage, like a leg of a back leg of the construct. Okay. You did see what Tycho did, right? And so he actually, you know, came in, grabbed the leg and just ripped it off the creature. And in that moment, for sure, there was something that kind of went down. So like what you're telling me right now, you're kind of waiting for the moment. So that's something you could do for sure. Or you could take more active engagement. It's up to you. And I would remind you, you are number one ranked in strength. Oh, I am? Oh, I am. All right. So I'll just like kick it in its hind leg then. Okay. do a kind of karate chop, like right at the kind of joint. At the area. joint, okay. Uh, to try to disable one of its back legs and stick uh, it off balance. Okay, so as you do that, your leg kind of slams into it and like the leg kind of buckles under the pressure and it kind of does like a double step and you know, the whole construct kind of moves, but it does not collapse and you don't sense any break in the force field, okay? So, but you did destabilize it and you know, fighting multiple opponents is difficult for this thing. All right, so um, Sorrel. You see your brother thrown off, like, you know, at least like 20, 20 feet or whatever in the other direction. Um, and you haven't seen many things that can do that. So it's a little bit intimidated, but you've plunged your blade deep into its body and you created that opening in the force field. What do you do? I'm going to do it again. Do I have enough awareness of those uh, sites? People are waiting for me to do it to open another hole in the force field? Does that make sense? I... Like, do I notice them? <laughs> for a chance to do something? Um, you're not really sure what Astrid is doing specifically because she's clearly fighting, but Cassandra, who you know is sort of psyche is her thing, she seems to be waiting. So yeah, you kind of interpret that that's likely what she's doing, but you know, you can't say for sure. I think in that case, I am going to but again, pick a different spot. I'm trying to see if I can summon the mechanics. Okay, where specifically? What are you aiming for? I think I'm aiming for the center of his chest. I don't know if that's too high. Um, you would have to move out from underneath its, its carriage, and you would basically be in the front, but you could certainly do that if you want. Or you could... Okay, so you kind of move yourself and it almost becomes another target over there and you plunge your blade and it basically strikes into that area. Um, your sword is now starting to look really rough, but it does penetrate in the inside. It hits some sort of wiring. There's a spark of energy and then the field drops. Okay, Tycho, you are flown back you smack against the rock and you roll several meters more before kind of coming back up. You see your sister beneath. You also see um, others elsewhere. You see uh, Alain try to, you know, go to the door. What do you do? I get up and I scuttle forward and um, I realize that 
but attacking with uh, apparently it's better for me to use my bare hands than than um, this like the the thing. So I kind of just throw it at it to like kind of distract it, like okay, hit it in, in front of the the dispensers. Yep. But um, like you said, there was like a control unit on top that you could get to. Uh, well, it's a head. Uh, there is some okay. sort of, yeah, mm-hmm. So I, like, loop up yep. on top of there using my prodigious strength and, uh, combat, um, acumen, and I just, I'm ripping off that head. Okay, so you grab, okay, so it's not so much the head unit or more of this, like, monitor kind of thing. Like, it's a sensor or thing. They actually have right. multiple I'm ones. trying to grind it. Right. And then, so you basically grab it, and you, you know, with a quick twist of your armored body, it breaks apart and and then even more of of the of the Trump energy actually starts to dissipate. In fact, the whole bottom part and part of the top on the carapace has actually flown off. There is now an opening. Okay, Alain, your turn. I'm just trying to escape this area with any something safe, the first safe place I can see. Okay, so you could back off to you know some of the intervening rocks, which are about twenty to thirty feet away. That's easy for you to kind of make over, and then you actually hear Benedict's body start to kind of uh, cough and tremble, and to actually uh, you know shake. Uh, almost like a seizure kind of vibration kind of moment. And, you know, his body is clearly starting to go into severe trauma and shock. What do you do? Okay, I just try and get into a safe place and start doing first aid. Okay, so then you kind of do that. So again, top of the ramp, the barriers are down. Cassandra? Okay, what do I feel? I want to get into its controls and try and disrupt the trumps that it's going through. So you said it that, that's what you want to do. Yeah. You're going to try to get to its control now. Yeah. Okay, so... Well, mentally. Ah, uh, okay. So this, this is the key. You're trying to make a psychic connection? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Um, you do so, and its psychic constructs are pitiful. And you basically brush them aside with ease, and they're not even very sophisticated. They have some kind of internal constructs, and you know you can see that these kind of antiviruses are kind of released, and they just kind of smack into your shield, and you just barrel right into the middle. And there, in the center of it, its direct heart, you can feel the artificial intelligence that drives this thing that keeps it alive. Is is there a pinpoint target for you when you do? I use my power on And with that, the creature falls. All of you kind of back away and you know, you roll away from that and you've managed to, for the time being, at least as you maintain that psychic contact, you've managed to disable the creature. And as you do that, the door to the tower sparks energy and you can see the trump shield that was also surrounding this other creature also starts to dissipate and start to dissolve all around it so that it actually is no longer there and then you can see that you know it was almost like the this tower was protected by this force field and that force field has dropped and as the force field drops there's a click and the door swings open and we will end our session. And scene.
Okay, that's where we'll leave off. Nothing like a good old-fashioned cliffhanger to finish our first attempt at running a truly diceless system. Hopefully, you got a sense of how different the game is from your average D&D game, both in terms of the setting, content, and style of play. Hope you'll join us soon to finish the story we started in Amber, A Family Affair. <laughs>